Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Sports powered by Sikkim365.com. Waters inside the 10. Waters making a house call with the exclamation point on this one. 36 yard touchdown. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important, so is your budget. Panics bobbles the snap, regains into the end zone. Touchdown, Jalen McMillan. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Trying to cut into this lead, a crucial play for the Gator offense. Mertz pump fakes, backpedals, running out of time, and they get him again. And Jonah Ellis has made a huge impact. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Third down, Morris. Intercepted, wow! Travis Hunter! 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Second and 11 coming up. Wigman looks back the other way, taking a shot. Touchdown, what a grab, Thomas! And a gritty for the city! Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. All right, here we go on this Wednesday afternoon. Paul Catalina is back after a couple of days uh, tough. Personally, Craig was on his way here, and someone tried to zoom around traffic, either getting off of I-35 in the southern part of Waco or trying to get onto 35, uh, and created a pretty big mess and actually wrecked his own or his or her car into like one of the barriers, and Craig was the one that was right there, saw it, called 911, and uh, he is having to wait as, uh, of course, the police are trying to get some details. So I don't know about the condition of the person. Good news is Craig's fine. His voice was a little bit cracked up, you know, obviously very, very concerned. So uh, he will be here hopefully at some time pretty soon, but after he takes care of that business. Uh, so uh, 
we have a guest lineup, Kennington Smith and Roger Wallace on the Texas-Alabama game today. Ricky Thompson on Baylor at four. Rick Hart, the director of athletics at SMU on what now is their next neighborhood and home with the ACC. And we'll also hear from Rob Mosley on Oregon as they're playing, of course, in Lubbock against Tech as they're trying to bounce back in Paul's top five welcome back man yeah uh thanks guys for uh, you know uh, letting me go deal with saying goodbye to my best friend and our original fourth co-host woodrow the dog yesterday is 13 and a half it was just time it's a really hard day those of you who are our dog owners know uh how this is our pet owners cats all that uh it's it was tough you know and, and my wife and i needed uh needed a, a you know to spend some time with him on monday and then uh and then on on tuesday we yesterday we said goodbye so uh, happy to be back and uh you know he was our if you listen to the show from day one we did it at my house he was our fourth co-host uh whether we wanted him to be or not uh he was he, our he, team mascot yeah he yeah, was the he mascot was. and he would he would bark rather regularly uh during the show sometimes i couldn't get him to stop and he was a pretty chill dog but he was uh i do one of his i think his happiest times was during that because he would get so excited to see all his buddies every day at about 2 two thirty. so uh so thanks for that but uh lots of college football stuff to talk about oh, over you, the last missed, few you days. missed your timeline on fsu so we're not doing that they're done <laughs> now we're no. done hey look they're one look there are several the stories of college football and there's certainly one of them they're to me like third or fourth um in the the list of things i disagree um there i disagree you disagree i i'm not so sure that if it wasn't for the uh emphatic start for colorado the next story to me is fsu dominating lsu uh, uh, I, I mean that was impressive because that game was up for grabs but uh what were you no, you I, missed the deadline i know right? i did garrett, garrett, <laughs> yeah garrett's all for garrett, it did he not miss oh, the deadline on the he, he missed it man but Hey, it, it might be worth revisiting. Here's what I think. Let him have his flowers. I think the discussion now isn't isn't about how FSU thoroughly dominated LSU in the second half of that mm. game. Oh, uh, God. but this, this is going to get ugly. It is. But if you look at what's going on and you tie it into the the Baylor Texas State game, I think the story is about transfer portal rebuilds and how that is affecting a lot of things look you've got texas state 53 new transfers Dion's you know, 80 new players or whatever it is that are, are there the, the number has been thrown around mike novell has methodically put transfer portal guys the whole offense is transfer portal guys all whole offense like there's a couple of guys who are straight up and down recruits but of the top 16 players that play on that offense 13 of them are transfers including jordan travis um do you want me to send but, this segment to Dabo? yeah uh then you, you look at it juxtaposed to Dabo, 32 transfers. Say, since 2021, when the transfer portal was open, he's had 32 guys go out the door. And none of those guys were Trevor Lawrence or T. Higgins, but they are veteran players who leave that knew your system. He's brought in three grad transfers, oh, two, two backup quarterbacks, and a wide receiver. All None of them who've played or contributed are not going to help them win the ACC. That, that wasn't the point. He's dug his heels in on this for reasons known really only to him when everybody else around him is doing it. Um, I like, it's kind of interesting. Like even Duke, it's really hard to get into Duke. You can't just call up and be like, I'd like to go to Duke. They had eight transfer starters the other night. Yeah. It's almost as if like we talked with Dave Aranda earlier this week. And then also with Mac Rhodes yesterday about what Dave Aranda was mentioning about trying to find the fit and certain people. And that's what I said, but don't you have to win? Uh, and it's not easy, but they started to get a few transfers. They regret not last year, uh, last year not getting enough. 
because they didn't, and I'm not so sure they got nearly enough uh, this year. Uh, also, there's going to be a note about a Johnny Carter because many people are very upset about the fact that he's not going to be able to play at Baylor. I asked Mac Rhodes about that yesterday and a couple of things about him that we won't get too detailed, but it, it's there's, there's a reason why a Johnny Carter is not going to be a part of the Baylor football team, and uh, we'll get into that uh, also today. So uh, here's the Big 12 schedule. I think you spend a couple of days, and yes, we'll still look at things over the week. We'll have guests on today to talk about games that we've seen, games that we're about to see. But this is the Big 12 schedule. Friday night, Kansas will play Illinois in a nice test. Uh, Also, of course, the game that morning on Saturday, you have Texas, Alabama, and then Utah and Baylor. Uh, Robert Griffin III will be here to broadcast a part of that broadcast. And then you have Oregon, Texas Tech. So those are games we've been waiting for really throughout the offseason. And and then the Tech loss and the Baylor loss takes a little bit of that, uh, I guess, glamour off those games, but still important. There's the rest of it. SMU, Oklahoma, Cincinnati coming off an impressive opening win. We'll play at Pitt. Iowa, Iowa State, whatever that score, what's the over-under? Probably take the under, although Six. Iowa scored like 24 or whatever it was last week in but Iowa State with a nice They win. did not. They have to average over 25, though. Yeah, I know. So I know. So there's – and UCF and Boise State is intriguing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and down the list, K-State, of course, at home. Oklahoma State, Arizona State, the future Big 12 matchup. Houston Rice in a battle of Houston – TCU, perfect, you would think, opponent to bounce back after the loss to Colorado. Brigham Young, Southern Utah, and then Duquesne. I always have loved to say that name, Duquesne, against West Virginia in Morgantown. Uh, I think Kansas and Illinois on Friday is a very intriguing game. Uh, Those are two uh, conflicting styles uh, there. Um, You know, Illinois is about being physical and punching you in the mouth, and Kansas is about let's go, 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 go. Right. Um, I... Texas and Alabama is going to be just fascinating. I mean, it's just going to be fascinating to see what Texas has done since last year, how much different they might be against Alabama. Alabama, you know, the talk has been about the quarterback. And look, I know they played Middle Tennessee State and won like 56 to 7 or whatever it was. But Jalen Milrow's got a, you know, he's got some talent. And you don't just want, like, that's the thing that, and I, like, I'm probably guilty of this too. You discount a lot of things when you're like, well, Alabama doesn't have, you know, a, a quarterback that they know for sure is going to – they don't have Bryce Young walking in the door again right, this year. Right, They don't have those guys. But we forget that, like, you don't just show up and, and start for Nick Saban. I mean, even Bryce Young had to earn his job. Even Tua had to earn his job. All those guys, Mac Jones, they all like the line, they had to earn it, and – they were even invited to be part of that program because they are the best of the best. So if somebody from year one as a, a guy who wasn't expected to play and looks really raw but athletic to year two looks better with the best coach in the history of the world coaching him, that should not be a surprise to us. Right. And that one's really intriguing. Um Yes, the, the blue is probably off Baylor and Utah a little bit because of what happened. But, again, you know, things change in college football week to week. I don't want to be too negative on that. Texas Tech, to me, might be one of the cases, and it's rare, of a team that played their trap game in game number one. Because they were very hyped. On the they, road. On the road at Wyoming. At night. At night. No way for those guys to to really know how good Wyoming would be. But, you know, you say that, Paul, they were up at what point? One time, 14 or 17 to nothing? 
So it's but not they, like they were flat. Yeah. No, they weren't. But they also weren't. Texas Tech is not going to win games 20 to 10 most of the time and with that offense. Like, they're they're supposed to win games, you know, in the 30s. I don't I, – I, I, That's their plan. If they were flat, they would have looked like Baylor on Saturday. Yeah. And that's not fair against Texas State. But they jumped out to a quick lead. Shuck had a nice start. Did they maybe then take a deep breath? I don't know. Did they say, okay, this is going to be 48 to 10? I don't know. But I don't know if they were flat because they yeah. started well. Yeah. Um, well, and, like, and, and then, you know, they, they get themselves in a dogfight and they weren't ready for it. And, I, you know, I, I don't know. But I, it has not changed my – like, that game's only changed my mind slightly about how Oregon's going to be because now you've got Texas Tech against the ropes a little bit trying to prove who they are in year two. And it's still in Lubbock. In you know, in a place full of you know drunk Red Raider fans, are going to be loud as all all get out. And you know they still have who they have. I still think that game is going to be. It is sometimes. Sometimes I think games can be outliers, and we'll see over the length of the season. I think for this Texas Tech team, that game's going to wind up being an outlier. Juxtapose that to Baylor and Texas State. I'm very concerned it's not going to be. No, that that might be who they are, and of course they have. Utah yesterday, Kyle Willingham. Willingham was on the show with us on 365 Sports. So let's, first of all, I want to say hi to J.C. Dobbs. J.C. sent me a note, and uh, it, it was really, really cool. We are, we try to try to, it, like, embrace everybody, even if you agree or disagree or you have an opinion that you can argue about or don't like this or that with whatever we say or do, and that's fine. But uh, J.C. sent me a note. He's Watches 365 Sports, has been through a tough time in his life. And um, I, I just appreciate the fact that you shared what we do and help you with on an everyday basis. And same thing, uh, by the way, I mentioned this a couple of days ago with S. Michael DeHart. He's back in the chat room. Uh, he's been going through some stuff as well, some things that were kind of a scare. But luckily, good news for him. And it's great to have S. Michael DeHart back as well within the chat room. So we're giving you the Big 12 schedule. Here's a couple of other notes. Um, yesterday, Mac Rhodes was on with us, and Baylor had gotten a commitment. We interviewed him, a Johnny Carter from Utah State, defensive back, cornerback. They could, believe me, they could use like eight of him. And there was a, an anger at the end because he put up a note that he would not be enrolling at Baylor, and everybody immediately blamed Baylor. Everybody. I don't know of anybody that did not say, well, this sucks. Baylor waited to the last second. They've set this kid up for failure. They left him high and dry. They didn't take care of business. They weren't honest with him. I, I'm not going to get into details, but a Johnny uh, has a legal issue, and it's not a good one, and it's, it's, uh, it's an assault-type issue. And I'll tell you this is that I don't know the truth. I don't know if he's guilty, prove innocent until proven guilty, but And should Baylor have known more about it? Did he tell them about it? Uh, yes, you can get online. You can get on all this. But I'm telling you, when I found this out, and it was earlier today. No, it may have been that was earlier today. It brought back memories, unfortunately, of what they went through when it came to Sam Lukawachi. Well, I think, I'm not trying to compare what he's done, but it's, 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 a, it's an assault case, and it's not pretty. Now, the court date is at the end of, I think, September 18th. But I don't think anybody is in a position to take that particular case, in this place, in this case, a Johnny Carter. If it all works out for him, fantastic. 
But I think that just to sit there and blame Baylor for being slow or too harsh when it comes to transcripts and credits and all that, I do think people, a lot of people, everyone's pissed off right now because of the loss on Saturday, but I think that Baylor took the heat there, and uh, perhaps the truth is there that there's a reason why a Johnny Carter will not play at Baylor. Well, one, he's not an offensive lineman. Uh, two, uh, so I don't know how much he would have affected that in that regard. Uh, two, and more importantly, Baylor, because of everything that happened in 2016, and that's seven years ago. Mac now, brought this up yesterday. But because of that, they don't get to to take chances anymore. Uh, that's uh, something that our Bryles took chances on a lot of guys, a lot. And uh, not all of them burned him, but the percentage was big enough to where it burned the program. And so now all that credit is they, it's burned up. They, they can't do that. They can't, they can't play the benefit of the doubt guard. They can't do that. They went through it. They made some bad decisions on adding players. Um, some of them they did not have complete information on, obviously. But because of that, and however you feel about that, but that's just the, the way it, it is. They took too many chances during that time, and now they don't. nobody in the aftermath, and this is the third coach since then, will get to do that, and it probably will be seven coaches before anybody can even think about attempting it because it was that bad for them over that time that they just can't take a chance. That is one of the reasons... I was very impressed with what Matt Rule did because he built the team up in a very quick fashion. And if you, you know, uh, gotten gotten a fight with a guy the same size as you in the hallway of your high school, you were out. You know, they had to have guys that were absolutely squeaky clean, student government vice president, key club treasurer type dudes to do that. They could not mess around and. And take those chances. but And you didn't have a chance because you were pretty much uh, focused on what was happening with Woodrow. But when I asked Dave Aranda on Monday about the players they're trying to recruit, the fit and all that, I just I had to interject and, and interrupted him and said, but don't you have to win? And that's true. I mean, you, you could sit all – and you can that, – that doesn't mean that there's not hundreds and hundreds of other players out there that, that uh, aren't, aren't choir boys or Boy Scouts or whatever. You, you have to win. And, yeah, I get that you're trying to, you know, set a certain type of standard of who comes to your school, but you, you have to win. But that because of what happened six, seven, eight years ago, and Mac brought that up, Paul, that, uh, yeah, they, they have to kind of be even more of a filter. Uh, it doesn't mean that there won't be players that get in trouble because you're talking about 18 to 20 now, 23 and 24 years old. So there's that. Shadur Sanders has won basically every award imaginable throughout the country. Uh, Edwards, the running back, has won. I think it was the Doak Walker Award, Weekly Award. Shadour Sanders also named the Earl Campbell Tyler Rose Award winner. 500-plus yards in that win at TCU on Saturday. Now, speaking of TCU, what are your thoughts about this? I love it. I've always been say how you feel. That doesn't mean there aren't times when you need to probably like, okay, sometimes I wonder if I should like maybe walk away from the laptop before I push send. So... He called the uh, TCU loss, and this was actually from yesterday, but he called it, uh, I guess you can say it's a wake-up call. Um, I don't know how losing in the national championship by 60 isn't a wake-up call. 
Right now, we're definitely the laughing stock of college football. 22 missed tackles. Who knows how many missed assignments. Making our defensive coordinator look awful. Making his defense look like his childhood kid's defense and him getting all this slack. Uh, flack, maybe. So it's not a wake-up call. If this is not a wake-up call, then I don't know what is. Joe Gillespie, who uh, was at Stephenville and then at Tulsa and now at TCU, is who is the defensive coordinator at TCU. Yeah, I, I like laughing stock. Like, I, I didn't come away thinking TCU was bad because they lost to Colorado. I mean, it, like, I thought Colorado was on a mission and played with a big chip on their shoulder. And, you know, maybe people had foolishly doubted one of the most successful professional athletes in the history of professional sports uh, at their peril, thinking it was – uh, going to be a harder thing for him than it than it was, uh, but you know, like there was a lot of factors going into that game. I still think TCU is going to be a pretty darn good team, but yeah, I think he's got a. I think it's good for look. Colorado played with a chip on their shoulder, especially offensively. TCU's clearly felt like they lost that chip. If this can bring it back, if this can bring it back. Chips on your shoulder don't have to be hey, real. This guy's a baller, too. Yeah, uh, so that's the thing about having a chip on your shoulder. Georgia had one on their shoulder last year. It wasn't real. It doesn't have, like, it's a. It's like an imaginary friend. If you believe your imaginary friend is real, yep. well, he's real to you, and that's all that matters. The, the person who has to be convinced that it's not real is you, not everybody else. They cannot believe in it if they want. So, you know, like Michael Jordan played with a chip on his shoulder forever. Forever. You watch The Last Dance and you think about like, man, he really took all these perceived slights to heart and it fueled him. Even when he was already pretty much thought of as the best player to ever yeah. play the game. And so, again, if you have to, now, the risk you run is inventing too many chips on your shoulder to where then it hurts your credibility even with your the people around you. But if you can... If you can make it work for you, then that's what you do. So, yeah, that's what they're trying to do is get that chip back on their shoulder and not be entitled because, look, this is a new year and this is um, this is a new a new challenge that they have. All right, so there's that. Good for Johnny Rogers speaking his mind. If you think he said that just out out like in the media, imagine what perhaps was said. Uh, I'm sure already had been said to his teammates. LSU losing that game to Florida State. Mason Smith. Is back. He, of course, had what was it, a season ending knee injury um, uh, last year against Florida State, suspended for Saturday's game because of the improper benefit, according to the NCAA. He will be back for LSU when they play Grambling this weekend. Uh, also, here's a note about Nick Saban. This is in an article by Brett McMurphy as Alabama's about to host Texas. We will have an, a writer who covers Bama at 345 and then Roger Wallace, color analyst for UT at 430. Since Nick Saban was hired in 2007, there have been 54 different head coaches, not including interim coaches, at 13 SEC schools. Arkansas, Tennessee have had six each. Hugh Freeze will be the sixth different coach that Saban will face at Auburn. Florida, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt each have had five different coaches during the time since he arrived at Alabama in 2007. And Auburn, Florida, and Tennessee are schools that have won national championships in the past, and that's how much they cycled through. That's how much that Nick Saban has changed that league. The, um, the biggest reason, in my opinion, for... Uh, the SEC being able to maintain, you know, their 
bravado in their marketing. It just means more is because Nick Saban's made it mean more. I mean, and the, he make his presence over all that. And Kirby Smart's now about to draft off it. But all those fifty-four coaches that have come and gone since he's been there um, are pretty much because of him. Pretty much because of Nick Saban. Nick Saban has made the rest of the schools in the SEC have much shorter windows to, well, this guy's not getting us any close to Alabama. He's got to go. This guy's not getting any close to Alabama. He's got to go. This guy's not like Alabama's here and we're here. He's got to go. Got to go. L- LSU has had, what, they're their, their third, third. Since, third since Saban? And two of them won titles and they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> so, well. One of them kind of helped himself yeah. leave, and then Les Miles, oh, both of them did. Les Miles and then also yeah, that's in Ed Orgeron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And now, of course, with Brian Kelly. So this is something, I, I don't know how much this was discussed on Friday, Paul, so let me know if you did. But this is now, uh, Craig's here. Put the three shot up, Garrett, if you don't mind. Craig Smoke is here after his um, ordeal. Yeah, it wasn't really my ordeal, but uh, was the witness to a car wreck, so I had to stick behind on the scene and uh, do my you know duty as a citizen to uh, help out uh, those involved and be a witness. So yeah, I was not expecting that today, but you know that's that's life, and luckily uh, not you know my my car or anything, and, and was just a witness to it. But and fortunately, the person I guess involved is also okay, so that was good as well. But what I missed like thirty minutes of FSU propaganda. Oh no, no it's, uh, it's been oh yes, at least no, only <laughs> at about least. seven minutes. We of started FSU. five minutes early because Paul wanted to get into that. <laughs> now here's the image: Brett McMurphy, day seven. This came up at seven o'clock Central Time on my TV or anyone who has Spectrum. The This is the statement that they put up right about the time Utah-Florida game was about to kick off, and it's still there. It is still there. All the Disney channels, uh, ABC not affected, but this is something that is out there. How many of you, if we're asking if you're in the chat room or text message, 254-339-1122, how many of you are really close to saying, screw you, I'm changing how I get my stuff on TV? Because of this, who's wrong here? Disney, Spectrum, others? Who's wrong here? Well, I'll let Paul unpack like why this is going on because he knows more of that. But I mean, you could just switch, and I know it's harder. You know, sometimes easier said than done. But I, I see that, and it's like, well, you know, there are options. <laughs> you could cut the cord. You could flip over to Grande, or you know, whatever it is, Astound, or direct whatever TV. Direct yeah. TV. So when I see that, I, I see that now. Brett McMurphy's like, that's a thing for him right now. So yeah. I get it. Yeah. yeah, and I know there's other Spectrum people, I guess, dealing with that too. But I, I'm not involved in that. And to me, it's like, well, why don't you just move services? But it seems like Brett's kind of got like a, a a fight going on, right? And and so he's he's kind of play by play in that fight, and you know that's something that I, I would imagine is going to get people to cut the cord. And you know, you turn on the first weekend of college football to watch, and you can't watch. Like, yeah, I would be po to to no uh, to, uh, to to no extent. So yeah, I, I can understand the frustration there. Well, and the thing is, you can change. Although Craig, yes, you can change, but you can wind up in a situation like me where, thankfully, as a Cowboys fan. Uh, I can watch the Cowboys because they're on NBC this week. Yeah. But when they're on Fox again until the, the next star thing gets figured out with DirecTV, I will have to – I'll be somewhere else. at Sports Bar, somewhere watching it. it. Well, maybe not even there. They usually have DirecTV. Uh, yeah, so, how are they going to – yeah. Like, so I don't know how I'm going to be able to, to watch the Cowboys uh, week in and week out until that gets done. So it's it goes all over the place. 
Uh, Bob Thompson uh, had a very interesting tweet on it. It said, this one feels different because Charter has now kind of come out and made a lot of statements about this. It feels like they're trying to blow up the model. Yeah. And if that's the case, it's probably something that's long overdue because of what I think everybody in that industry is, is scared of is if somebody like Charter on Spectrum, if they come and blow up the model, no one's to say that what they're going to do is going to work. Or and, it's going to cost even more money to yeah. get what you get now, which has so, already, of course, been rising steadily and methodically. Much like the college football playoff, like why the college football playoff didn't change for as long as it did was they knew they were going to get this much money and it was going to work for them this way. And they were too nervous about messing up the money train that that was already big like there was no guarantee in their minds it was going to be bigger and so all the stuff that's going on i think that that's why everybody's kind of nervous about this and espn's already come out and said we're going to eventually go direct to consumer so what benefit does charter have over the next couple years spectrum or anybody to play espn's game if they've already told them that look we're just going to offer a big gigantic direct to consumer service without you guys at all. I'm uh, glad you unpacked it that way because on the surface it is what I just described. It's like, hey, why don't you just get YouTube TV? I saw a lot of those comments to uh, to Brett McMurphy. Why don't you just get another service? And then others explain, well, it's an age thing for some people of just like, you know, you're older and you're not, what is it, YouTube TV? Uh, there's also just the comfort of what you've always known. Um, there's also the price of like, yeah, am I suddenly paying more for all of this? So, um, you know, I see some of those things sometimes and I'm like, oh, well, that's just a, you know, like Patrick Craig's tweet or something. You're like, okay, whatever. But this does seem like there's like more of a yeah. of an end of the road coming for the sports lottery money bonanza, right? Am I reading that correctly? No, no. Just and Bob the, Thompson mentioned that yeah. he mentioned that this could end up being a lot more expensive, no matter what you are your options are. Now, Justin R, I got Spectrum. Uh, I downgraded to internet only and switched to YouTube TV. It costs less, and they have a multi view where you could watch four games at one time. I think the only knock I saw, and this was like, you know, because I've started to at least look into it. Not that I'm I'm moving uh, anytime soon, but just to kind of be uh, in the know on on sort of how all this is working, especially knowing a lot of people who have switched over to YouTube TV. I guess what is one of the knocks, Paul? Like you can't, you know, we're so used to like hit last on the remote and you can just flip right back. Whereas there's a little bit more navigating, right? Is that basically mm-hmm. just the, the change? There's a yeah. little. It's not as just simplistic as like back yeah. in return to channel or whatever you have to maybe hit another button or so yeah which doesn't seem like a big deal but when you've been used to something for so long hey, it can be a big deal as a long time direct tv and nfl site take a subscriber my favorite thing was last four can you put up the last four channels and just go through game 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 and youtube tv's got a i think they're they've got the multi-view they haven't figured that part out yet yeah they, here's the thing like we, you can't put the four games you want you kind of ever given those games right yeah uh, you don't have like it's not like a la carte like i want penn state michigan on this yeah. one and then oklahoma oklahoma yeah it's, it's not quite that but, but here's the thing they're new the streaming companies are new to this right if the only complaint is i'd like to be able to surf through these a little bit better somebody is going to go okay well here and they're going to figure it out so while that might be a year or two away eventually that's going to be the thing you know what was the big problem with dvr at first Oh, I can only DVR one thing at a time. Right. Well, now you can DVR everything that you want to all over the place because they figured it out. Eric, uh, Nephron or Nephron, I know I've tried to do that before. Craig Smoke, take it one step further. It's the end of absurd valuations for sports teams. 
Yeah, and that yeah, you're right, and then that's that's the road it seems to be going down, you know, because there has in so much of the Big Twelve, Pac twelve talk, you know, we all learned a lot more about TV during that year or so, and just sort of sports rights and how some of that works. Um, but I did get a different sense in reading. You know, I think it was Patrick Craig's maybe at one point. I know he's at least commented on it previously, but certainly Bob Thompson here in the last day or so, um, as you, you put it, like kind of said, this is different. And, yeah, it does appear as though just the the COVID-era spending, right, is I guess what we could refer to it as in some ways as well, when everybody was just like content, 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 blank checks. Um, and everybody got used to that, as we just saw with the Pac-12, if that wasn't an eye-opener. Um, in terms of kind of the money that's going around right now and the, the appetite to just throw up blank checks to college football, uh, for example, uh, much less some of the others. But, um, yeah, it does seem like that's, that's starting to change, and that is something that is notable. Yeah, he's, he's talking about uh, what's going on with this and how this is maybe something we've never seen before. We will see uh, Camelo Fubu TV, or is it Fubo TV F- is good? Fubo. Because it has a bunch of the main network channels and Bally Sports, which is the only way I can watch the Rangers so that I'm not going to get that because the Rangers last night were eviscerated, embarrassed and humiliated early by Jose Altuve in the Astros and what has now become an absolute collapse of what was a really simple run into the baseball playoffs. So there's that. Camelo, but I, I agree. I mean, I... If it has Valley Sports, that's fine. That'd be great, too. So there we are. Someone said Charter does not need cable. Um, There's a lot of you responding. We appreciate all of what you're saying to us. And then uh, Katie Rader sent you a text uh, on the text line, too, so we'll get to that. So there's that that's out there. I remember Daniel, who's Jennifer's fiancé, texting me. And then when I was on my way home last Thursday to watch games, including Nebraska-Minnesota, he told me, have you seen this? I didn't quite understand the ramifications or the consequences of watching. And then, yes, at 7 o'clock, there you go. There's the statement uh, up on the screen and has been there ever since. So there's that with the uh, battle between Disney and also with Spectrum. It's 3.33 at uh, 3.45. We'll have Kennington Smith the third. He covers Alabama, 430 Roger Wallace, color analyst for the University of Texas. He will be a part of the show. Ricky Thompson at just after four. And SMU, Director of Athletics today, Rick Hart will join us, plus Rob Mosley on GoDucks.com on Oregon at Texas Tech. And this is 365 Sports. Waco Custom Marketplace. Throughout the week, select New York Strip, steak at eight ninety nine a pound. Bone in, select ribeye or choice ribeye steak at ten fifty or twelve twenty five a pound. Fresh chicken tenders two fifty a pound. Bacon ends in pieces a dollar ninety nine a pound. German sausage for three seventy five a pound. Also eight to twelve. The big shrimp at thirteen ninety nine a pound. Plus they have Gulf shrimp at various sizes packages from five ninety nine to fifteen ninety nine a pound. Waco Custom Marketplace. You want charcoal and pellet fuel? What you need for tailgating for your uh, smoker? They have that for you. All the seasonings, the marinades, and more. If you want brisket or tri-tip, they have that at four twenty five Lake Air Drive in Waco. During Jeep Adventure Days, Alan Samuels in Waco is celebrating with an incredible line of 2023 models like the Grand Cherokee, Renegade, Wrangler, and Gladiator. Come see what Alan Samuels can offer you and your family and find the Jeep SUV that fits your lifestyle. 
to connect with Baylor alums in your area? Baylor alumni can help. Looking to host a watch party in your city? Baylor alumni can get you started. Want to step out in your community and serve with other alums? Baylor alumni is your connection with the university and each other. Let's get started. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254 759 8533. Edward Jones, member SIP. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Pioneer Steel and Pipe opened their doors in 1943 and they have never wavered with their focus on great product and customer service, relationships with a handshake, making sure you, the customer, is satisfied. Their new facility is now twice the size, allowing new inventory, higher quantities, and in a much more organized fashion. In addition to the long lengths of tubing, angles, channels, rods, and flat, Pioneer Steel and Pipe now offers several shorter, more convenient lengths of material already cut. Their 2,500 square foot showroom has over a thousand new products in stock, new welding supplies, hardware, quickcrete, and do-it-yourself components for any project, whether you are a professional contractor or weekend warrior. The new facility is designed to make your loading experience faster and more efficient with easy drive lanes around the building and much more room to get your trailer loaded. Our location may have changed, but our values haven't, and our relationship with customers goes much farther than just business. Pioneer Steel and Pipe on Loop 340 and Highway 6 and just east of I-35 in Waco. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. Garrett, if you wouldn't mind, and you still have the schedule from this week in the Big 12, we want to go over this a couple of times. Obviously, the game with the biggest national uh, ramifications is the one in Tuscaloosa with Texas at Alabama, they had a great game last year down in Austin. The uh, the next best game, what would you say is the next most important game 
among the rest of the Big 12, would it still be Oregon at Texas Tech? I, I think so. I mean, and again, I said in the first segment, uh, it's my my view on Tech has changed slightly, but for this individual game, you know, and look, Oregon, I don't like they're really good. I don't know how really good they are compared to everybody else because they played Portland State and scored eighty one, uh, and they could have scored whatever they wanted. It doesn't again. None of my opinion has really changed that much because of this individual game. I think it's it's set up well for Tech, but for Tech uh, to to compete in it, but. You know, you do have to think like, oh well, maybe things aren't as rosy and in Lubbock yet as as people might have thought they'd have been. Yeah, and just looking at that list, that's a good lineup of games. I mean, it just is. as far as some you know some name brands and some uh, you know just what should be really tough contests. I mean, up and down the line. Um, I mean, shoot, Troy's no pushover. Yeah, uh, you know, heading to Manhattan. So uh, yeah, I think TCU should handle their business. Obviously, BYU. Uh, Houston should beat Rice. West Virginia. Okay, here's West Virginia's like guaranteed win. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, I still think uh, a Texas Tech Oregon as far as the second most important game there. You know, Oklahoma SMU. Oklahoma looked really good. Uh, SMU obviously has a lot going for it right now, so I think that could be interesting just in terms of like a shootout um, with those two offenses. But yeah, I still think Texas Tech Oregon because of the platform. It's going to be on at night. You know, Tech needing to rebound. Certainly not one to go zero and two after the off season of you know excitement and and what was in store um, kind of got deflated. But you get a win over Oregon and it's all rolling back. You know, you're not going to go undefeated, but everything right. else is still in play. But you go zero and two, then the Big Twelve title and all that's still in play, but you're you're taking a knock in the old you know uh, the old energy and um, I guess momentum department. So uh, yeah, to lose on Saturday night at home and, and drop to zero and two, I think that would be uh, tough for Tech with all the expectations. So I, I think that is. But I mean, shoot, you know Baylor, Utah. I know everybody's just chalked that up to being a blowout now at this point because of what happened last week. I expect a much better effort from Baylor. And either way, if we get it or we don't get it, that's going to be a story of where they are after the second week and how they respond against a team like Utah. But yeah, a lot of good games there. Um, Houston-Rice, a big rivalry game for those two, so yeah. looks good. And that UCF-Boise State game is kind of juicy for me as well and what Cincinnati can do on the road after winning their opening game. <laughs> tell you, Oklahoma State-Arizona State, those are two teams that I don't think either one of them know how good they really are right now, so that's that's going to be a, an interesting little fight as well. Paul, real quick, and then we get to Kennington. Uh, Emory Jones had a game. Yeah, he did. Very, very uh, look, explosive game. And I, I've been – and look, Scott Satterfield got the most out of Malik Cunningham, uh, and – you know, uh, Emory Jones is athletic, and, and and people have been waiting. And so, clearly, the coaches before him could not get the most out of Emory Jones. Uh, and I think based on uh, – I look, even before this, I think based on the first week alone, Florida's kind of wishing that he didn't walk out the door. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, Emory Jones, I, I dogged him a lot. I did. Uh, and – but I, I, I'm happy for that kid if I get to eat my words. Look, I'm still trying to learn about Cincinnati to where, like, we're just in a groove where we know them like we know a lot of the others because it's it takes a little bit of time to kind of just be familiar with everything. But the one thing I did feel pretty confident about and said a couple of weeks ago in regards to some of these quarterback battles that I felt like Emory Jones could easily surpass what Ben Bryant was able to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he did that in the very first week. And if you go look at what Ben Bryant did, he's at Northwestern now, and he did not play well uh, in that first game. They're obviously going through a lot, but had a couple interceptions in that game. 
game. So I do think that they upgraded um, potentially, you know, obviously got to play well moving on, but I think they upgraded a quarterback. I think you've got obviously a new look just in general with the new staff there and exciting offense. And yeah, I, I think uh, that's something you're excited about after one week, but also cautiously optimistic because it's just one game, right? But Emory Jones did look good compared to some of the, the fears or concerns that people had. All right, when we come back, we're going to drop in with Kennington Smith on Alabama and Texas. Uh, Ricky Thompson at the top of the hour, sideline reporter for for Baylor and also played there. And then Roger Wallace at 430 on UT as they get ready for the game in Tuscaloosa. We appreciate your time. This is 365 Sports. IDealMRI.com, located in the Central Texas Marketplace in the southern part of Waco, just off of I-35, and they will help you find out what is bothering you. If your doctor suggested MRI orders or wants to order an MRI, stop them before they do and say, please contact Ideal MRI. Because one, their, their MRI machine is fantastic. I have been in it for my lower back and also even my abdomen and, and I think even my shoulder. That's what they do and they will find the images, put them up in the portal for your doctor so they can see exactly what they're looking for. Why is something achy? Why is something hurting? Why is something shutting you down? And then on top of that, it's not going to cost you a lot of money. The average MRI is about $1,100. Theirs is $497 every single time. When Dr. Rob Maxey contacted me many years ago to discuss his business, I was like, wow, because at that same time, I had had an MRI that was close to $1,600. So be careful about where you go. Make sure you have a chance to, one, get what you need when it comes to evidence of your injury, and also $497 or less every single time at IdealMRI.com. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. Riverbend Liquor and Wine now has two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the brand new spot in downtown Waco at 600 Franklin Avenue. If you're looking for the best in craft beers or local Texas bourbons, then the original is the place to be. And for the latest trends and online phenomenons, head downtown to the Franklin location. Either way, you're going to get the same great variety, customer service, and speedy experience. Check out both locations on their Facebook and Instagram pages. And if you can't make it to Riverbend, DoorDash is available to bring it to you. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and now downtown on Franklin Avenue. Do you or your kids get nervous about going to the dentist? Stonewood Dental, Dr. Steve Childress, he can help. I've spent a career taking care of patients who, as children, had bad experiences, and now they're adults that hate going to the dentist. If I get a kid at three years old, and they come every six months, and it's a happy experience, it's normal for them. Now they have an accident at six or seven or eight at school. Now they have a broken tooth or a trauma. And they have to come here. They're used to lights. They're used to water in their mouth. They're used to experience. They already trust us. It's amazing what we can do with that kid without it being a negative thing. But if I see a six or seven or eight-year-old that's never been to the dentist... 
and now they have a trauma or an unfortunate, unexpected toothache, it's harder to do that for that kid and it not be somewhat of a negative experience. So bottom line is I try to teach kids and adults and teenagers everybody the way I'd want my family treated, which is where it's a necessary part of life. You just take care of it. It doesn't have to be that big a deal. Learn more. Stonewood-Dental.com. Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one, commercial, farm and ranch, or residential. Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, Warm. Welcome home. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and subscribe. Alabama, Texas in Tuscaloosa. Alabama taking care of business, their opening game, which they should have. Texas taking business, taking care of business at home against Rice. A lot of buildup for this one. Logos involved, tradition, blue bloods, all of that. Kennington Smith the third joins us. The Athletic.com covers Alabama. Uh, can you feel any different kind of a buildup for this one? I know, Kennington, you just started covering Alabama, but is this a different week in your opinion? Yeah, it definitely is a different week, and I think – is, is due to kind of where both programs are at right now. I think both programs are coming into this game feeling like they have something to prove, right? Alabama is the standard bearer of college football and have been, but there are questions about if programs like Georgia have usurped them, and this is an opportunity for them to plant their flag early in the season and, and establish that they are still um, Alabama championship contenders. And then for Texas, coming into the SEC next year, and what they're projected to do in the Big 12 this year, where they're ranked, um, you know, Steve Sarkeesian in that program needs a signature win to validate the hype. So those two things colliding make for, um, you know, a monster matchup, and in my opinion, the biggest non-conference game of the year in college football. So you can feel the excitement in the air, and, um, you know, the players are going to tell you that it's every other game, but uh, fortunately I'm not a player, so I can tell the truth and say that it's not just another game and um, I'm just really excited for this weekend yeah especially with Texas coming to the conference next year like they're not this this has so many different tentacles that could could go into it um Jalen Milrow uh showed a lot last week and and look they're playing Middle Tennessee State I know it's not Texas but how long did that quarterback battle really last and how long was it his his job anyways yeah, I think to answer the first question, I think it it persisted into the last week of fall camp. And you know, when you you know when listening to Nick Saban talk, you kind of have to read between the tea leaves of what he was saying. And throughout fall camp, he was saying we need someone to take it by the horns. We need someone to take it by the horns. And after the second scrimmage, he goes to the podium and says, 
we feel like this competition is taking shape to some degree, which, you know, might be a minor change in diction, but it does signify that they had either identified a number one or they had a plan in place. And that plan was to start with Milro, who had been holding that kind of pole position since last season when he was the number two quarterback and went into to winter with having a little bit more experience than Ty Simpson. And they compete during spring. They bring in Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame. But none of those things were, were ultimately, um, you know, the driving force for passing up Jalen Milrow on the depth chart. He just continues to kind of hold that number one position. So, you know, they go into the first game with, with Jalen Milrow, and the expectation was that he could play well enough that they could evaluate all quarterbacks in the game, which is exactly what happened. But Jalen Milrow, I think, exceeded a lot of expectations, and I think he showed a lot of the growth that Nick Saban and Tommy Reese were, were talking about. And, you know, the key for him is to have a, a standout performance against Texas because the competition is it's technically not over yet because five touchdowns against Middle Tennessee State does build momentum, but turning the ball over against Texas um, would halt that momentum. So, you know, another strong performance on Saturday would probably crystallize these things, but that's how we got to this point. Obviously, Kennington, he's not showing, and they're not showing the, the full package for, for Middle Tennessee State, as you point out. But what did you see in, in his actual performance? They obviously are protecting him to some extent to to get into to this Week 2 matchup. But what did you see good, and maybe what did you not see that you still have a question mark about heading into this game? Yeah, well, the, the good things that I saw were a game plan that were fit to you know fit his strengths. You saw Tommy Reese implement a lot of timing routes, a lot of short passes, intermediate passes to get Jalen Murrow into the flow of the game. I believe he started around 7 for 7, 8 for 8 in the 60-yard range. So he wasn't throwing for long yardage, but he was getting comfortable in the flow of the offense. And Alabama was able to stay ahead of the chain. They did not have a negative play on first down while Jalen Murrow was in the game. So they were staying on script. They were staying ahead of schedule. And those things were kind of elevating his play. And then once he got comfortable, you saw the downfield shots and you saw the deep uh, deep ball accuracy, which I think surprised a lot of people. So I really liked the game plan. I liked how he was comfortable in the pocket. He wasn't, you know, tucking the ball and running after his first read wasn't there like you saw against the Texas A&M game. And then obviously no turnovers was probably the biggest thing. What I think that he can improve on is processing things pre-snap. There was an instance where Middle Tennessee State showed blitz and Milro didn't check out of it. And he, you know, they do a halfback toss into the blitz it results in a negative play. So those type of things he just has to continue to develop in. And Texas, I'm sure, is going to try to throw some exotic things at him to try to confuse him and, and force mistakes. So that's one thing. And then I just want to see how he operates under pressure. Like you said, the offensive line did hold up well. Um, but there were a few times where Middle Tennessee State sent a blitz and he was sacked as a result of running back pass protection. So even past the offensive line, you know, it's going to take a, an all-offensive effort to kind of, you know, play well to prop him up. Um, and then it's going to be on him to make the necessary plays. This game notwithstanding, would it surprise you if this year is a, a bit of a reset for Alabama in total? And look, a Nick Saban reset is not like a, you know, a Boston College reset or a Stanford or Cal or someone like that, Iowa State, you know, wherever you, you want to say, a Nick Saban reset might mean a 9-3 and three is, is more possible than it, it normally would be. Yeah, I think it's it's more possible, but I, I don't know that I can see it getting to that point. I think 
in my opinion, at most, you would see two Alabama losses. This is one of them, who, you know, one of the games because Alabama is so early in the season and there are still question marks at a few positions and they might be more susceptible than later on in the year when they truly have their identity. So this is one of, one of those possible losses. I do think that that element does exist where <clears throat> you see Alabama maybe take a step back in the first year of, you know, like a Jalen Miro starting or whoever might end up being the quarterback in a young wide receiver core and, a true freshman at left tackle and a true freshman at, at safety. So, that, you know, you can kind of see the skeleton of a potential step back here, but you also see elements of, of a team that could compete for a championship. So, um, you know, there probably is more variation in what Alabama could be this year than, than past years. But I still feel like, you know, the floor for this team is kind of a two-loss, New Year's Six bowl-level team. What are your thoughts? And I know, Kennington, you have, we're not covering them at the time, but I'm sure – were able to enjoy the game, Texas and, and Alabama, a year ago when Alabama, Bryce Young had the huge scramble, they kick a field goal, and they were in trouble for most of that game. Your thoughts about how much that game, if at all, uh, affects what may we what we may see on Saturday? Yeah, I think there are some elements from that game that you look at, at least on the Texas side, and say they have to do those things in order to be viable in this game. And, and one of them, and the most obvious one, is probably – Quinn Ewers getting off to a hot start. What probably is the biggest takeaway from that game is a question mark, and that question mark is what would have been had Quinn Ewers not gotten hurt because he played such a great first quarter, and Texas was, was kind of rolling and had them on their heels, to your point. So can Quinn Ewers have that same type of momentum in Brian Denny, which I think is another thing that I'm going to be looking at in this game is Texas going to Alabama and playing in this uh, hostile atmosphere are they going to be able to get some momentum early in this game? Um, so those are going to be the things that I'm going to be looking for. I think penalties was a huge part of, you know, Alabama's struggles against Texas last year. Alabama only had, I believe, you know, one or two penalties, you know, throughout the entire game against Middle Tennessee State. Um, zero on the offensive side, which is a good thing for uh, for Milrow's chances. Are, is Alabama going to play a little bit more disciplined? So those will probably be the, the three things that I'm looking at the most as, you know, what you could take from last year and apply it to this game. Kennington, enjoy it. I know you will. Kennington Smith the third, theathletic.com, covering Alabama. The game Saturday in Tuscaloosa. We'll hear from uh, Roger Wallace, who we had on earlier this year about Texas as they play that game on the road against Alabama. You, you know what's weird about Bryant-Denny Stadium, for people who have been, is, and look, the game I went to, I've only been one time. It's a fantastic atmosphere. But it was the Kenny Hill A&M game where, Alabama essentially ended his career at A&M, and it was a blowout really fast. So, like, the atmosphere was, as opposed to, like, if it was an Alabama-LSU game that goes down to the end, where it's it's just, it's like you're in the Coliseum in Rome, where people are just watching lions eat folks, like, and going nuts. It was like, it was just like a wood chipper, really fast. Like, oh, done. And then because the game was a blowout so quickly, the Alabama fans got bored. They were just like, oh, well, this was not as satisfying as I had hoped. Uh, we, yeah, they, <laughs> can you bring someone else in? I'm not they, full. They wanted to see <laughs> so they wanted to see the uh, those thrown into the, uh, I guess, the bottom floor of the, uh, what would you call it, the stadium. They wanted to see blood, but they, they thought they'd like to see a little bit of fight back. Yeah. All right, when we come back, Ricky Thompson former Baylor wide receiver and also sideline reporter. His thoughts about how Baylor tries to cleanse themselves 
uh, spit out all of whatever the venom might be from what happened on Saturday? And is that possible to do it against Utah? His thoughts about what he saw and what he hopes to see uh, because of just some truth serum. And Roger Wallace, a little bit later on, Rob Mosley will join us in the 5 o'clock hour on the game between Texas Tech and Oregon and SMU Director of Athletics Rick Hart at a little bit after 5 o'clock today. And this is 365 Sports. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. How did Edward Jones become one of the biggest financial service companies in the world? By not acting that way. Financial strategies, one-on-one advice, it's a big difference. And that's why Brad Wilson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, makes sense of investing. Experience the difference for yourself. Brad Wilson, 250 Sharon Drive in Woodway, 254-776-4337. Edward Jones, member SIPC. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and baker. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon wrap fillets to T-bone to bone-in ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micro-market vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micro-market vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, 6900 Imperial Drive in Waco or online at AutomaticChefCanteen.com. 
Don Humidor, you're home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams, and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carolyn Ashley, Don Schumanor in the Townwood Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. This segment with former Baylor wide receiver and Baylor sideline analyst Ricky Thompson is sponsored by Alliance Bank Central Texas, where customers have confidence that their financial needs are in good hands with two locations in Waco, on Bosque Boulevard and on Archway Drive off Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. J.J. Joe joined us on Monday, brought to you by Alliance Bank and Ricky Thompson. Part of Alliance Bank joins us now on 365 Sports. And the first two people we saw when we walked out of the post-game press conference on Saturday late night, one of them was J.J., the other one was also Ricky. Ricky, uh, can you see from what you saw Saturday, can you see a team that's going to come back with their play with their hair on fire and, and try to somehow figure this thing out and turn things around in a week? Well, Smokey, we better. <laughs> I, I, I think that is something that probably surprised me as much as anything. I don't, I don't think we played like that Saturday night. I think we all know that. Uh, you, you can say anything you want to about competition, but when you're opening with somebody like Texas State, you think you're supposed to win, and sometimes that's a hard hurdle to get over with those kids when you've got Utah coming in the next week. Now, one thing I saw is they are Texas State 12-and-a-half-point underdogs next week to UTSA. Now, to me, that says somebody's still not convinced that they're that good. I, I don't know about you guys, but uh, it's like Craig said walking out, bigger, stronger, faster. Looked like in all regards they were that compared to us Saturday night. So I do think we'll come out with more fire. I think we may come out with a little different plan offensively and defensively too. We cannot end up with safeties on wide receivers in the slot and get beat all night long. I think Coach Aranda spoke to that. And I'm betting you don't see that Saturday. And then offensively, offensive line struggled. I think you may see this team come out slinging the ball with Sawyer Robertson right off the bat. And the other thing that does, Smokey, to what you spoke to, I think that creates some fire to hit some pass plays early. Running game's important and you got to run the ball, but the passing game is what sets the team on fire. And I really think that's what you may see early this Saturday. Don't you also really have to hit it early for a couple other reasons? One, he's, he needs to be confident because he's going to be the starter for the next few weeks, at least. And two, don't you need to get Utah a little bit back on their heels because if they smell blood in the water, they are to, some tough sons of guns, Ricky, with Kyle Whittingham, and every game to them is a rock fight no matter who they're playing. It is, and defensively, I, I, I thought Texas State, really dominated us up front and there's going to be no comparison to what you're going to see this Saturday. 
And I think you have to get them on your heels. And from what I saw, and things change, and I'm not out there every day like these coaches are, but from what I saw, we're not going to run a wide zone at them and run the ball down their throat. We're going to have to spread it. We're going to have to throw it. We're going to have to get them on their heels. We're going to have to take that just bull rush where where you set a three-point stance with your defensive tackles and they're coming full speed at the snap of the ball with no fear of, of play action going over the top. So, yeah, I think you got to do that early. Slow down that pass rush. Maybe throw a screen or two behind the rush, but you're going to have to do something to maintain Utah's front seven because they are really talented. What did you think of what you saw from Sawyer Robertson, Ricky? You know what? I was impressed. I I thought he delivered the ball well. The throw to Hal Presley down the sideline, I thought Hal made a spectacular catch on it, but also thought it was a very, very good throw from Sawyer. So I really liked what I saw there. Uh, more than that, I saw later after he got a little more comfortable that he moved in the pocket, stepped to the side. It was to the left toward the Baylor bench and delivered a ball in the middle of field down downfield. I think it may have been to Drake Dabney. I don't remember, which I thought might have been his best throw, even better than the deep ball. I know early when the pass rush came at him, he just kind of folded and and they took him down but I think after that when he got into the floor of the football game I thought he handled the rush a lot better uh made a good delivery he had a great run too guys he just fumbled the ball mm-hmm. at the end of it but it was what 31 yards and yeah. at that point it would have been a huge play I thought he showed great agility pretty good speed uh I really liked what I saw there you know, you mentioned that they're going to have to open it up. And isn't that there's two ways you can do this? You could even like get more conservative, which to me would be dangerous, uh, or you could just say, what the hell, right? Isn't that kind of what you're suggesting? Let's just wing it? Well, you know, an overseiver, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's, op- let's open it up and throw it. And uh, what, what does it hurt? I mean, I don't know how you really go wrong there. You've got a kid that can throw it. I thought. You finally had receivers that were making plays. Bring it out Saturday and throw it about five of the first six plays. Go back to the Big 12 championship game. You've got Blake, who, by the way, guys, I thought played exceptionally well under really bad circumstance Saturday, just to his credit. But he came out and we completed 17 balls in a row, and I, I can promise you Oklahoma State wasn't ready for that, wasn't watching for it. So, uh, yeah, I think you come out and swing it. I don't think it can hurt anything, and you don't have to hit many of those to make the difference in a ball game. What's the difference for Sawyer Robertson preparing this whole week, knowing that um, he's not having to look over and go, is Blake healthy? Is he coming back in? What's what's going on here? What are we changing on the fly? That he can go into this game knowing that, look, you keep things going to the other end zone, then you're going to be all right. I think it makes it easier for him. To be honest, he knows he's the guy. I think these players already have a lot of respect for Sawyer. I think he's just a, the kind of kid that, that's a leader. I think he draws those kids to him just by his attitude, the way he carries himself. So I, I think the fact that he can really be vocal when you're the backup, I think sometimes you hold back intentionally because you know you're not the guy and you don't want to feel like you're 
taken away from the presence of the guy that's the starter. He knows he's going to play. He knows he's going to start. That's not even an option. So I think with that, he's going to be more vocal this week. And I, I, the kid's got ability. I, he's a player. So I, I think that these guys will rally around him. And I don't think that we'll particularly be hurting at quarterback with all your back there. So the defense, Ricky, um, you know, a whole other side of, of issues and things to, to improve upon from, from last week. Uh, they could not get stops for a large stretch of that game. Uh, the only thing that really stopped Texas State's offense was a couple of fumbles. And, uh, you know, then they got, you know, a kind of a sporadic stop here and there and, and late had a, a shot if they could have played a bit more complimentary football. But uh, what did you make of Matthew Powell's first outing? And, you know, Dave Aranda said he's going to be involved because of the familiarity of uh, with, uh, with Utah OC Andy Ludwig. But uh, was there positive? Like, how did you just kind of come away thinking about the defense on Saturday? Well, I, you know, you don't want to be critical particularly, but I, I just thought there were a lot of holes back there, guys. I thought secondary-wise, I don't think we played very well back there. I, safeties have always been a strong part of our defense, and I didn't think that they were Saturday. I, I thought our front played okay. I didn't think we put a lot of pressure on their quarterback without bringing extra people with our front four, but I just, I just thought, and again, too many times on critical downs where you've got that safety in the slot and, you know, two or three times, I'm not out there every day, but I called it where they were going with the football. I mean, you could see it and it was pretty successful. The one of the last touchdowns they had was receiver in the slot on our safety. They sent the guy outside just on a little slant, took him out and the inside guy really wasn't even out and up. He just went to the outside of the safety and then cut it up field. And it was a easy touchdown on the school board end. And you could see it coming before the snap. And I'm just, I know if I could see it, Coach Pallage is seeing it and that's going to change. I can tell you, but I liked our pressing outside. I thought that was good. I, I like getting in their face, but I think too, we're still going to have to on that third and five, either, get pressure or put our guys in position where you don't have guys running free on third down for easy catch and throws. And we saw a lot of that. Now going back, we had a couple spots where we did have pressure and we just couldn't bring that guy down at six, yeah. seven, two fifty-five, And he did a great job of escaping. Ricky, Jonah Burton is a walk-on wide receiver. And I, I know Presley made catches and, uh, and there were others too, but uh, I, I, I kind of – he's a small guy, walk on, but as a receiver, did you kind of appreciate what you saw when he was in the game, whether it was when the game was already in hand? I, I just He just made plays. He did. It's funny. I just had a guy in my office, and we were talking about Jonah Burton, and I told him, I said, that kid will be playing Saturday. There's no way they don't play him. He, he made plays. He ran with it after he caught it. Every time it came to him, he made the catch. I was I was impressed with the way he ran routes. I, I think you've got to play. Uh, you know, it reminds you a little bit of back to the Leach days. A couple of pretty good slot receivers that Tech had that ended up playing the NFL. Uh, I I don't care if he's walk on or what he is. I think he's got to play, don't y'all? Yeah, I, I think you do. You, you I mean he 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 made plays, uh, made catches, made plays after the catch, and uh, he he seemed to give him a little bit of a spark. There's no. 
no doubt in my mind. Uh, four, yeah, four, and when, when he came to the sideline, too, I was sorry to interrupt you. When he came to the sideline, I watched those other kids, and they like him too. I mean, they're they were pulling for him and really getting fired up when he was making plays. And that's kind of something you got to get going if you're going to have a good football team and all these guys supporting each other. And man, I just Saturdays are critical game. I think it's very important that even this early in the season that we play well and much better than last Saturday. And come out with their hair on fire. I know this says it's, it's easy, but how in the hell can you, you know, and, and, uh, and, and show something. And, and I know that like, well, there's not enough energy. There's not enough energy from coach Aranda. There's not enough. Go make your own energy. Go, go make some plays and force a turnover. Although you're playing a team that doesn't like to cough it up too much in the way they play. How did you deal with that as a player, Ricky? If there was a lack of energy, I mean, how did that kind of get corrected? Was it just simply a guy making a play and then another guy making a play off that? How did, how did you as a player kind of handle that uh, when, when teams were maybe lacking some energy? Yeah, I I think, Craig, number one, uh, it's hard to put that on a coach or any coach because they can't go out there and play. You can have a coach that yells and screams and tries to get players fired up and they go out and don't play, or you can have one that's quiet like Coach Aranda that I think these players really listen to and you don't play hard. I think that it simply comes down to the guys on the field, and you've either got to play or you don't. And my opinion is the the ones that aren't, you take them out and you put somebody else in because football is not a game. You know, baseball is a little slower game and you've got to play with a little bit of poise. Not that you don't have poise in football too, but it, it's a game of emotion and you've got to play and you've got to play hard. It's a physical game. And some of that, Craig, I don't think you can teach. You just got to have it. And that's why those are the guys that need to be on the football field, whether it's offense or defense. Ricky, thank you as always. We appreciate you. Uh, Wednesdays in the 4 o'clock hour, former Baylor wide receiver, Baylor sideline radio reporter, handles the the, uh, halftime and also post-game interviews along with the rest of the crew. But we appreciate his time. He played the game, has been covering Baylor for a long, long time, and he also doesn't pull many punches. He was was like both he and J.J. walking out of the stadium. They were like, you know. Well, they're like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, what did we just watch? What was that? I mean, everybody knows how you know much of that bubble grows of anticipation and excitement after a long off season. And it's one thing to lose; that's fine, you know. But the style in which you lose also matters. And when you lose like that at home, after all of the changes and all of the you know the bad year last year, and just the excitement of like it's a new team and we're going to be better and this is going to be a, a, an improved year and then you lose to Texas State and you lose as ugly as you did i mean yeah that that pops that bubble right out of the gates and so i think everybody's just sort of roaming out of there of just like what did we just watch yeah and the hardest issues to fix on a team are when you're not good up front i mean you can't like <laughs> no. it's you know you can if you have athletes at the skill positions you can create enough stuff for fast guys to go be fast. Simplify whatever you do. You just can't make the stronger guy, the strong guys, stronger like that. You know, sometimes with the the skill position guys, it's like, well, they're not going to be as good at running routes, so let's get creative with the offense and just simplify and get the ball in their hands and see. Let's let athlete on athlete happen. Yeah. But when you're talking about strong strength on strength, you know, strong, it's it's tough. You know, and so if there's no chemistry or the offensive line's not as good and you you, you kind of whiffed on the guys a little bit. Like, that's 
that, you know, it's hard to correct. Well, and the transfer portal era, right, it's a lot harder to be better athlete to athlete just because you were a bigger program, per se, because mm-hmm. Texas State went in there, and they got former this guy, former that guy, former that guy. They had a, lot, they had a D1 roster. I mean, yeah. a, a former, you know, guys who played all over the, the Power Five and uh, the Group of Five and everything else. And so, yeah, there wasn't, like, this big talent disparity as there was pre-transfer portal where Texas State got who they got and maybe the occasional, like, you know, drifter from Texas Tech or something. But now it's like – they like went and got guys, and um, they were faster and stronger and bigger in some cases. Absolutely, I, I still feel that way coming out of that game. Now, uh, I think there is a little bit of a question mark of just how how good is Baylor athlete to athlete as compared to where they were. And I think that's also the concern is you're not quite as talented as maybe you've you've appeared in years past. So there's a lot of things. You know, there's definitely some overreaction somewhere in here. Not just quite sure where it is exactly, um, but there are absolutely reasons for some of these concerns uh, and things to monitor very closely coming up this weekend. If they come out with no energy again, like I just I, I mean how do you how is that even possible? No, if, if that happens, yeah. that, I'm telling you right now, everybody is angry. Yeah. Everybody is looking for something to be upset about. Right. Everybody is looking for a reason. I'm not even talking about the football program. I'm not talking about everybody that either follows them or is a donor or whoever else. I mean, in the department in athletics, everybody's angry and I I mean there's some silly things that are being said that's more of just fan reaction. There's some overreaction, like Paxton said. Were they really more talented? Uh, I don't really know that. You wonder what happens if, in fact, Baylor, Baylor like punches it their opening drive, and do they have more of a control of the game? I don't know if that makes you know, they Maybe they don't lose. What was it? Whatever the score, forty-two thirty-one. Maybe it's forty-two thirty-eight. But certain things, and especially on the offense and defensive line, Texas State made Baylor look silly. Yes, and that's where I feel like the, the talent was kind of like, oh, wait a second, is this is this tipping in their favor? Like, their offensive line was massive compared yeah. to Baylor's smaller defense. And I thought, like, that alone, like, you want to talk about stronger, they were stronger in that regard. I don't know if you go player for player, Paxton, if they're more talented. I think it remains to be seen on a lot of Baylor's guys as well, of, like, how talented are they? Like, you hear a lot of it. Like, Keetron Jackson flash, but, like, is he so much better than Ashton Hawkins? I can't tell yet, yeah. really, you know? Um uh, so I think you'd kind of have to go on a case-by-case basis. But I'll tell you this, like Texas State's a lot closer than they've ever been before. Mm-hmm. That we can say for sure. Um, Baylor might still have the edge, but it's not the gap that it once was. And G.J. Kinney closed that gap in, in record time. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some overreaction. Go beat Utah. And a lot of this just will seem very silly. Um, but, you know, you can sit there and look at this game and say, well, if this happens, like there's ways you can see where they win this game. Like Monterey Baldwin catches a touchdown. Uh, you know, Sawyer Robertson doesn't fumble in the open field. But you know what? TCU can do that with the Colorado game. If Absolutely. we don't throw interceptions, like and everybody can do that with pretty much every loss that's within a couple of scores. So that doesn't really get you anywhere. You just have to simply play better. I don't think anyone wanted to, to sit there and say that the Texas State game with Baylor came down to two or three plays. But <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's the hard part. And, and look, the Gary and I talked about it in the postgame show the other night in that, you know, G.J. Kenny was pretty surgical about the guys he went out and got. And then he also, look with, with T.J. Finley in particular, he kind of got lucky in that T.J. pushed that to the end thinking he might wind up being that quarterback at Auburn. And then when it was clear that Hugh Freeze was going to go in a different direction, mm-hmm. and T.J. Finley was pretty public about his his 
gripes uh, with things, but he left himself with lesser options. And most of the time, I mean, TJ Finley's a guy who's talented enough to be at LSU and at Auburn. Now, was that talent reached to its full potential? No, but you put him at Texas State and he's – a, a level above what they're they're going to have athlete wise. GJ Kinney thinks he's good enough. Exactly. LSU thought he was good enough. Yeah, I mean, so, clearly. And, and then look, their backup quarterback is a guy who I'm convinced, and Malik Hornsby would still be in the SEC if he accepted his future as a wide receiver. Right. But that's what SEC could. And look, he could prove everybody wrong. And and good luck to him for doing it. But if he would have said yes, I'll play wide receiver, he'd be in Arkansas catching passes from KJ Jefferson today. All right. Well, here's one thing about TJ Finley. Mm-hmm. Um, Blake Shapin played pretty well. You look at his numbers, his efficiency, his quarterback ranking, 21-31, a couple of scores. He also, uh, I mentioned this, remember, 27 of 54 dropbacks, there was pressure. Uh, whether it was Sawyer Robertson or Blake, and Blake threw most of those passes. But I do know this, T.J. Finley has a gun. That I mean, it was obvious from like the first, like, whoa. And uh, he also was a big human being that was, was able say, to avoid pressure. Yeah, he's a big dude. Man. Uh, <laughs> he's a real big and, dude. And on this, I, I went back and looked at this, and I'm not an X's and O guy. I never have been, not trying to be. But on the, it was a fourth down or whatever it was at the Baylor 16-yard line. It was a kind of an important part of the game. And he took the snap and rolled to the near side like a quarterback keeper. I don't know if the offensive lineman ever had to touch anybody on his way to the end zone. It looked almost as if... People were out of alignment or confused. That was way damn too easy. Well, you know, TCU's scrambling right now. They need to win this weekend. Texas Tech's scrambling right now. They need to win this weekend. West Virginia needs to win this weekend. I mean, everybody who lost is looking in the mirror and moping a little bit and also a little pissed off and, you know, getting back to the drawing board. I think even teams that won maybe didn't do it impressively enough that you're still, like, you got a little thorn in your side. So all you can do is go play again. I mean, look, they got 11 games to go. Whether they like it or not, there are 11 more games. So you can either be, like, the worst team known to man in the country this year year uh, or you can go out there and show something against Utah which which is what we're all expecting which is what they've said that they're expecting and so I think again we'll see this Saturday of how they respond and that will say a heck of a lot because if they come out there and they're flat and they're not geared up to play a team like Utah after what we we saw last weekend then that is going to be red flag city buddy yeah and that's going to change a lot of the the conversation all right uh thank you very much uh, to Ricky Thompson when we come back Roger Wallace he covers Texas his thoughts about the game in Tuscaloosa the week of down in Austin this is 365 sports Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac, they are the people that you can count on. On the way over here, uh, for those who were watching at the very beginning, I was running a little bit late, witnessed the car accident over on I-35, and the driver's okay uh, from all indications, which is great, but uh, their car is not. They slammed into the concrete barrier, and as a result, uh, you know, if it's not total, it's going to need some repairs, and that's where Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac can come in uh, with their customer service department. They are standing by to keep you on the road, to keep your vehicle in tip-top shape, and uh, to make sure that uh, you're driving safe and that everything is good to go uh, in your automobile, whether it's a car, truck, or an SUV. And so you can give them a call. You can go by the dealership and see them in person, have a conversation about whatever you need to get done, and maybe it's not something as serious as body work. Uh, maybe it's just an oil change. Maybe it's uh, looking at a 
attire. But regardless, their award-winning service department is a big reason why they can proudly proclaim and back up the fact that they are the people that you can count on for your automotive needs. But if you're also looking to buy vehicles right now, uh, they've got tons of quality pre-owned cars and trucks, uh, many of them under $25,000. And the financing philosophy over at Richard Carr is 100% credit approval. Uh, They say yes when others say no. So check out the lot full of pre-owned cars and SUVs right now. Again, many under 25K. Maybe you're looking to go up a little higher, a little newer, and uh, you're looking for more of the 2023 models where they got GMC Sierra 1500s all over the lot, discounted thousands, and qualified buyers can finance for 0.9%. Dozens of Sierras on the lot. They've got the inventory. They've got the price. They've got the financing to get you in a new GMC Sierra today. So whether you're looking to get repairs, pre-owns, or a brand-new automobile to drive off the lot, Richard Carr is the people that you are, are the people that you can count on for 24 years in Central Texas. Run by proud Central Texas, proud Baylor Bears, long at richardcarr.com today. Call now or go see them now off Highway 6 at the Imperial Exit. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC an equal housing lender. It's another time to speak with Samantha Duvall from TexasBeefHouse.com. Handles the marketing and someone that you will talk to a lot when you do call for the great product of the Texas-raised Wagyu beef. It's college football season, tailgating. It's a big deal. People love to put beef and pork and chicken, etc. on the grill. Let me know what you have. We've got everything. If you've got a morning game, you can get our breakfast sausage or our bacon. You can tailgate with some breakfast tacos if you've got an afternoon or evening game. We, of course, got our hamburger patties, their half-pound patties, four patties to a package, and we even have jalapeno and cheese patties. They're amazing. They'll blow your mind. Just that extra flavor, not too spicy. They have a high-heat cheese, so they don't melt on the grill, and our patties don't shrink up on the grill either. Anytime you order, use our code SICKEM10 to get 10% off your order of $100 or more. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu from our pasture to your plate. That's Samantha the Duval, TexasBeefHouse.com. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for. Try the Sikkim sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. 
Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin. And you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire, and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. We heard the Alabama perspective. Kennington Smith the third, theathletic.com. Roger Wallace covers Texas. Uh, television down there, but also the color analyst with Craig Way on the Texas broadcast joins Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina, and I'm David Smoke. Roger, we've talked to you. We've discussed, is this team ready to be more than hype? And I guess not that one game changes it, but your thoughts, they played their butts off last year and probably should have won the game against Alabama. What's the week been like in Austin? Yeah, pretty similar, only, you know, I think Stark likes the idea of he's got a little bit more of a uh, a veteran quarterback who was really good until he got knocked out of the game. In fact, I think the ball that Xavier Worthy, uh, before he got knocked out of the game, was the only over-the-top pass uh, completed last year. Everything, you know, been crossers or underneath or uh, balls that uh, broke. But, uh, uh, you know, going to Alabama is going to be tough. I don't care what kind of team you have. And, and they, like, they like the roster they built, but this is going to be uh, quite the test on Saturday night. Roger, uh, one of the things last year about Texas that was the, the kind of missing piece, and it, this is not an indictment on Quinn Ewers, it was just his first year as a starter, but if he had to throw them to a win, that was the games that they lost last year, where it was, you know, the running game's been stifled or stopped. Uh, Bijan's, you know, not able to, to win it on it, you know, for the offense, and Quinn just wasn't there yet. What have you seen from him that enables you to think that now maybe he, he'll be able to do that? Well, it's interesting because in the first half, I think, you know, people were wondering, all right, where's this, uh, where's this passing game against Rice? They really sputtered, uh, you know, seven possessions, one touchdown. But uh, the second half, they came out and they hit him pretty quick with three straight scores. And Ewers looked a little bit different. Uh, Sark is quick to point out that, you know, whenever a pass play doesn't work, there's several reasons, not always the quarterback. But I don't know. I don't know if, if, if they can go throw for 350 yards Saturday night if they can't run the ball a little bit, force a turnover here and there. But I think they I think they think they can. Uh, but, you know, Alabama's going to have something to say about that. And this offensive line, Sark said, they got to play better uh, Saturday than they did against Rice. What were your impressions of the run game in a post-Bijan Robinson world, Roger? <laughs> yeah, that was, it was 
it's tough to compare after what we saw with Bijan and even Roshan Johnson last year, as you guys know, with mm-hmm. what they did in that uh, Baylor game when they pretty much just abandoned the pass. And uh, so, you know, these guys, are I think, are going to be good. Jonathan Brooks uh, brings a different dimension like Bijan did with his ability to go catch the ball. You know, Cedric Baxter, the freshman, had the big run, but then he landed uh, on his shoulder the ball, and we didn't see him again. So hard to tell, uh, you know, what they're going to get out of him on Saturday. But I go back, guys, to the to the line of scrimmage, and if they can't win the line of scrimmage, I, I'm not sure it matters uh, who's back there running the football, which kind of goes to your point about if that happens, uh, is this offense, you know, equipped with Quinn Ewers uh, to win it through the air. Roger, athlete for athlete, is Texas head up? I'm not head up. Are they right there with Alabama? <laughs> That's a tough one. I, you know, I saw Alabama on tape against Middle Tennessee. I didn't see, uh, you know, three and a half hours. But I, I would say uh, I'm going to take the cop-out route and say they think they're as close as they've been in a long, long time to have the kind of roster uh, they need to compete against teams like Alabama. I don't know if they can match them uh, athlete for athlete yet. Uh, I mean, Quinn Ewers isn't the athlete that Jalen Silro is. That guy's special as an athlete. He might be, uh, you know, we'll see how, how it is in the pass game. Not sure if that's the case, but I do think they think they're as close as they've been in a long time. Do you think this game will be different than last year's in the way that it's it not going to be – you know, a low-scoring affair that this one might get some some more TDs on the board? Yeah, that's, that's true because I think that surprised everybody last year. You know, a 20-19 to 19 game and, you know, field goals deciding it down the stretch. Each team had trouble, and you got the reigning Heisman Trophy winner uh, on the Alabama side. you got a backup quarterback in Hudson Card who was gimpy on an ankle by the second half. So, I, yeah, I think it's going to be more scoring. I think, you know, obviously – Texas hoping they can keep up if they have to if they have to get into a bit of a, a shootout and I don't I don't put everything into the Rice game you know I know Sark when they came out against Alabama uh, they look like an offense that had been thinking about that game uh, since you know the season ended prior uh, the way they came out the formations the looks that they gave them uh, on offense and I would have guessed that Sark's got some stuff uh, up his sleeve that we certainly didn't see on Saturday so. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a higher scoring game. I can't imagine another game where it's, uh, you know, under 40 points total. Roger Wallace, Texas color analyst with us uh, for the UT radio broadcast here on 365 Sports. Roger, the uh, the game last year, which was phenomenal, came down to Bryce Young making a play at the end. Yes, Ewers was hurt early, but it, it was uh, hell-bent for elections, so to speak. Does Does that game in any way have any carryover to this game Saturday? You know, Sark was asked that about Monday, you know, just about confidence and and maybe a little bit just because let's not let's not kid ourselves. There's a, there's a mystique and an aura around the name Alabama, even though it's been a few years now. Uh, and so to go toe-to-toe with them with, with the team that they had, a younger team, and now they've got to go down there. And Alabama doesn't host these kind of non-conference games. I think it's been 14 years since they've hosted a Power 5 non-conference game. So that place is going to be up for grabs, too, because they're excited about one of these games in their home stadium, non-SEC. But I, I think it has to help just a little bit mentally, uh, because I'm sure so many teams walk into that stadium, and they're probably in their mind down two touchdowns before the ball's kicked, just because there is a, you know, there's a mystique around Alabama. 
Any chance uh, Brett Yormark will be an honorary captain for the Longhorns? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would crack up if Texas won and, and there was some sort of uh, you know Big 12 uh, <laughs> acknowledgement of, of the big win over Alabama. That would be pretty funny, but uh, yeah, that one that one got some good rundown here. As as I've heard from several people, uh, they didn't have to say a lot uh, last week. Uh, Brett Yormark did it for them as far as uh, you know some of the talk around Texas. All right, so yours the quarterback, and uh, there could have been some things better. And then Malik Murphy, who just looks just so impressive, and, and he comes in. I saw pictures that we had the game off to the side with, with Arch Manning on the sideline. What is the plan? Is the plan for him the red shirt this year? What is the plan, barring something that could occur, of course, because it's a game of attrition? Yep, I think, I think you hit it on the head, David. If, if, if Quinn Ewers is the guy and he's healthy, uh, I don't see why uh, Arch Manning would have to play more than four games, which means uh, just by rule he would have a redshirt year. So I think the plan is if if Ewers progresses, and again progresses, then you know if he goes to the next level, and I see projections already that he's you know he's considered uh, an NFL, NFL quarterback at a, at a draft round that would lead you to believe that he would go assuming he stays on this trajectory. And then, you know, uh, then I'm not sure. Then I'm not sure of the plan. You would think that uh, a guy like Arch Manning sit for one year and then expect to play. But you're right, David Malik Murphy is a specimen. He came in. It, you know, he throws the ball really well. Uh, we haven't seen him run yet, but he is legit Vince Young size. So I'm not sure because I don't know if anybody knows uh, exactly how this will unfold. Roger, I would say if Quinn Ewers is able to declare for the NFL draft and the experts go, yep, that's the thing you should have done, then that's probably really good news for Texas. Yes. I mean, well, yes, because that would assume he had a pretty good year, mm -hmm. and that's that's the most important thing. But, yes, yeah, Sark's the quarterback guy. So if he's developing quarterbacks, then that's, you know, that's kind of his calling card, and, and there's another uh, feather in his cap. And then you figure it out. And I, I think Sark's fine with that. He's fine with, with competition and let the best man win. And I know the Manning name. I came to work on, on Tuesday, and people were asking why Manning didn't play. They, you know, they don't quite understand how it works with quarterbacks when you have a name like that. We went through this uh, with Chris Sims way back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Because of the last name, uh, there are certain assumptions. So, uh, yeah, if yours – progresses goes to the nfl then you know start i'm sure is going great let's figure it out and and it's not unrealistic to think if one is the starter by spring next year then then you could see a change because that's kind of the nature of the of the game that uh, college football has become so you going there have you ever done a game in alabama no i've never been to tuscaloosa for football i've been there uh for basketball uh in my pre-austin days but never been uh Never been to Bryant Denny. Never been to a, a football game in the state of Alabama. So uh, that should be pretty cool. Yeah, I think oh, that's a, a bucket list. Yeah, it's a great spot. It's it's something that I've been there one time, uh, Roger, and it is one of those things. You, I mean, it's Saban and Bear Bryant, Gene Stall. Like, you know, it's yeah, it, it's the Vatican of college football, essentially. Yeah, we lost the the LSU game because of COVID. Um, which was going to be pretty cool. Never been to Death Valley. Uh, so to go here and then next year the big house. Uh, and then, of course, into the SEC and you'll roll through 
uh, some of these places eventually uh, by the schedule. But, but yeah, selfishly, I'm, I'm pretty fired up just to go uh, see the place and, and do a game and, and feel what it's about. And you'll get to go to Kyle Field, and you've never been there either. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to this this version of Kyle Field, <laughs> yeah. but, yeah. Last time I was at Kyle Field, uh, there was a future Hall of Fame kicker running around on their field that they weren't uh, too happy about. Oh, that's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> Roger, enjoy the trip. I know you will. Interested to hear the broadcast and obviously what happens because I, I have no idea. I know Alabama's at home, but, heck, uh, they struggled against Texas last year early on, a great game last year. Thanks for your time. Enjoy it, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank Thanks you. for having me. Roger Wallace, Texas football color analyst, also on television down in Austin, has been for many years. Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, this is the game of the week, obviously. Um, we've seen all the promotion for it. It's impossible to miss, and rightfully so, when you got uh, those two logos, and it's early season, and just so much anticipation and excitement for both sides uh, to prove something in this game, and you know, then you have all the other you know, down-the-line storylines as well, the fact that they will be playing. They could be playing again next year, for all we know, um, because, right, they haven't released... Did they release the SEC 24 schedule? I, I don't believe so. I thought they did. Did they? I thought that they did, did too. Now that the I think big about, about, are they still no, figuring no, no, it out? I think they just announced how many games. They were okay, play. yeah, that's what it was. I know there's a whole thing during the off season, but I couldn't remember how far down the line we got there. So yeah, I mean they're going to be playing them though on a regular basis, you'd imagine, and you know that's just as star studded as you can get. That's as big brand as you can possibly get. I mean, what other other two could you replace that would add any more? I don't think there is is one really um you, you could have a game that would be similar like ohio state oklahoma or michigan you know or versus um you know one of those combinations of schools notre dame i guess but there's not many there's not many that would be bigger uh and, and might not be bigger this year than texas alabama so yeah i can't wait to see this game and um you know whatever the outcome is like all these other ones i know it goes kind of without saying but just I'm fascinated to know what what the other side of this is like what are we talking about on on saturday night and uh on sunday morning are we talking about like how texas is back again or are we talking about you know the end of the saving dynasty are we talking about like the greatest game of all time are we talking about a blowout like it's uh it's impossible to know but uh man there's there's so many ingredients in this in this pot that's uh man it's gonna be spicy when we come back we're not done uh rick hart uh in 15 minutes the smu Director of Athletics on what it's been like. The Mustangs, of course, are headed to the ACC. They opened up with a win to start the year, and they have Oklahoma coming up this weekend. Yeah, should be a good game. And, you know, Rhett Lashley and company high off of the expansion news, and I guess that's pretty much wrapped up except for Oregon State and Washington State now at this point, right, uh, with the Mountain West Conference looking like a potential a potential spot. But um, seems like that's kind of slowly going along here, so – um, you know, there's a there's a lot of uh, interest in SMU right now, more so than there's probably been in 30 years, and they're certainly seeming like they're going to take full advantage of that uh, with this ACC opportunity. And you know, a big way to kind of start that build up would be to go beat Oklahoma and an Oklahoma team that looked really good in week number one. Uh, you know, definitely outmatched their opponent, but they looked much crisper. Uh, like leaner in a a good kind of way, just a better operating machine overall. And so uh, that's going to be tough. But if SMU pulls that game out, then watch out, buddy. I I was right. Uh, I don't mean to like, I was right. They did release this conference schedule and the opponents. They they did do that. 
uh, and, and the SEC at secsports.com back in the thanks to Camelo for showing that. But I, I thought that's because one of the things was, again, they're staying to eight games for at least another year. But the opponents, the home and away, are absolutely on the schedules of everybody in the SEC so, starting next year. So is Bama, Texas one of those? I couldn't remember. Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Mississippi State. So those no. are the home games on the road, Arkansas, Oklahoma, A&M, and Vanderbilt. So, no. Okay. Yeah, yeah I couldn't remember if they'd officially done it. Yeah, that's right, because they did it. Like, it was like, why is it so early when they hadn't – like, people were still trying to get uh, their bearings around this year. Alabama's yeah. at home against Auburn. Georgia, uh, also Mississippi, South Carolina, on the road against LSU, Oklahoma, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. Oh, yeah. I remember Nick Saban had kind of made a comment about yeah, that. Yeah, it's all coming back, all coming back. Yep. Uh, I will say this. Texas and Florida playing each other in a football game is something that I've never had to witness, and I don't know how I'm going to deal. I'm excited uh, about that. Yeah, yeah. Excited, but, I think it's going to be cool. As far as, like, rooting interest in what's in my DNA – I don't know how I'm going to watch it. And uh, not you don't be like either petty. team. Yeah. And for obvious be, reasons, and, FSU and Florida. And not be like stupid petty about it. Just like watch the game. But yeah, no, it, I remember when they played the college world series, I was, I, I felt like I had to take a shower after, <laughs> after watching it. But uh, no, I, um, uh, I've lost my train of thought now because I thought about Texas and Florida so and how like with hatred. Yeah, it's just uh, I got a I got a shiver. Uh, well, they're know. very similar schools uh, in some ways, and I definitely think that uh, that's a budding rivalry. I mean, they've played twice. Texas won both of those back in the late '30s, early '40s, um, but it hasn't you know been a game since then. So this is basically brand new. I mean, it's post world. They hadn't happened post World War II, which is kind of like the barometer. Isn't that kind of like the 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 line in college football is post World War II is modern. So yeah, it hasn't happened in the modern era. Um, and I guess they had one tie as well, actually. But yeah, Texas two one and zero against the Gators, and that's that's a matchup you think you'd probably have seen, but you haven't. And yeah. so it's going to be cool. That's that's one of those even, those matchups that's like, all right, this is one of the better parts of this whole arrangement. They, they've not even run up against each other in a bowl game. Yeah, you I think mean, a bowl like, game would, would be that would ha- bang the door happened. down? Yeah, but it, yeah, it, it just hasn't. Yeah, no, it, it has not. So. There's that. Thanks to Roger Wallace, Kennington Smith the third for jumping on with us. Uh, we'll have Rob Mosley at about 520 or so who covers Oregon as they head to play in Lubbock uh, on Saturday. That game, of course, against Texas Tech. When we come back, a couple of notes in college football, some nuggets from outside the chat room. I'll check the text line here in just a second. Um, also, uh, we, we did Charles Barkey and uh, both of his super chats near the end of the show. Was there another one that we did not get to, Garrett? There was, but I, we'd have to go back and find that. Okay. Yeah. I apologize for that. We're going to try to get to it. We do get them, and we, it, it lights up our screen. It shows that we have them, so I'm going to see if we can go back and find the one from yesterday in case we did not, uh, if it's still there. We'll do it if we come back with that. Also, Thank you, uh, Charles, by yeah, the way. And Charles, we appreciated those super chats at the end of the show uh, yesterday. This is 365 Sports. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat, new month, new incentives, new discounts. It will be right around the corner. But what they obviously have are cars. They have cars, trucks, and SUVs. Uh, it's just a matter of time before they release what else is available for the month of September. They've now just had their huge weekend with the Labor Day sales event. But you want a car? They have them. Their, their lot is pretty much full. That's not the case with everybody else. And like we've discussed with some other clients and sponsors of this show, man, the construction right now on Loop 340 on the southern or southeast part of Waco is mind-numbing. 
and you're going to have to like find a way uh, and you can in fact uh, alan samuels right there off of 84 there's all sorts of construction there's a blocked uh what is it uh with imperial drive but you can get there and they have the trucks the cars the suvs ram trucks jeep everything and also even also chrysler and also dodge as i've mentioned before fiat they have that too ted teague the general manager uh, an incredible staff that wants to help you out including aj who helped me buy the car that i have a pre-owned car that i bought on the lot back in 2020 he is fantastic it's not just okay i sold him a car i'm done he stays in touch he's a huge sports fan tell him we said hi it's alan samuels dodge chrysler jeep Ram fiat loop 340 and east of 84 in waco I hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. I dread each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed. You ask me why, and what I'll say to you is true. Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling around. Salsa wraps on there, the best in town. Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Boozers, the wedding ring store. Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is a premier elite life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness offers over 40 group exercise classes every week, including boot camp, indoor cycling, bars, silver sneakers, and more. If you haven't been to Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness lately, you're missing out on the improvements. New flooring in the weight room floor and locker rooms, new paint and mirrors added to the weight room and group exercise room, and many new machines have been added and arriving constantly on the weight room floor. New free weights, weight machines, TRX, rowing machines, stationary bikes, new treadmills, new ellipticals on the spacious weight room floor. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, Alex Box, and welcome to Nathan Roach, where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow. A kids club included with your membership plus sauna, whirlpool, and tanning bed. 16 tennis courts plus a beautiful stadium court and longtime youth tennis pro Britt Coleman and assistant junior Kenna. Adult 
tennis lessons in clinics with Blake and the commitment to pickleball with eight courts and instructor Jody Thurman. Visit the website at WacoTennis.com or visit us at Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness next to Hawaiian Falls on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. This is 365 Sports. The Sikkim 365 app is brought to you by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Come by. Let's be friends. So, a couple of teams, everybody in the Pac-12 won their opening game. And USC's 2-0. Oregon State looked good. Washington State looked good. Washington State will host Wisconsin this week. It's an ABC game. A night game at 6.30 in Pullman. And then also on top of that, Oregon State coming off an opening day win. They will play, actually they might have a, no, they play home against UC Davis. They'll be 2-0 and after their win to open up the year. Both of them look good doing it. Yeah, they did. And, you know, then we wait to hear their conference rate. Gora Navarez is going to obviously continue meeting with them. Uh, the AAC appears to be out on them. Their target is Army, um, you know, and, and expanding east and not west. Uh, Mike Oresco said that, and um, Mike Oresco, to me, I don't think he's at the point in his career where he's going to play the, like, will I, won't I game. Uh, so, yeah, it does look like it's Mountain West or bust for those teams, and that that might wind up being the better thing uh, until the, the next round happens. So we'll see what happens for them. I think they're going to wind up with a great conference commissioner if they do, and Gloria, Gloria Navarez. Yeah, I mean, she's been very proactive, right, and very much in the mix. And uh, I think she was maybe quoted at one point if I was – remembering correct if I am remembering correctly uh, one of the articles I read was saying like if we don't get somebody at this point it'd be kind of disappointing you know given just how proactive they have been so it does seem like if you were to place your bets the Mountain West is probably the most likely for uh, the the two remaining Pac-12 schools Um, and then yeah the Army AAC thing that was was very interesting because we got Navy there so Army Navy would be a conference game they I I guess the follow-up to that news was they don't want to move the day of the game, yeah. so it would just be a non-con. They would just play okay. a non-conference game, and the conference is big enough to where not everybody you know has to play every year. So they all are now, yeah. <laughs> you know, like so they that'll just be a non-conference game because it's a week after the championship game, and moving the Army Navy game to make it a, even to make it a conference game would kind of be an unfortunate thing in the calendar of American events. Yeah, okay. you, you don't move it, but no. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. What you? I hope not, because yeah. of the tradition. But didn't we blast away at the Rose Bowl because they didn't want to move? Yeah, but what they are. But they didn't have a solution. Like the Rose Bowl, this is offered a solution. Like we'll just make it a non-conference game, and everybody's everybody wins here, and nobody's going to say like, "Man, Army and Navy are getting such an advantage in this because yeah, okay. they don't get well, to recruit." I just want to. I always try to bring a couple of different angles. No, no, it's, it's just true. not a one-way but street. Here. Look, I wouldn't be so hard in the Rose Bowl if you're like, "Okay, good." Then what's your plan B? And they're like, "Yeah." They're like, okay, well, the Rose here's Bowl. what we'll do. Instead of 2.30, we'll do it at 4.30. Yeah. Yeah, is, is Army Last Navy offer. trying to play just because of the sun and where that is? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, what, that's no. a big difference Listen, in I'll what we're talking about. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, that, that's weird that it would be a non-conference game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, 
Yeah, I mean, so long as it, it kind of stays as is. And I get what you're saying. Like, everything's changing, so why couldn't that change, too? But, like, man, if we're going to preserve something, can we preserve that? You know, <laughs> yeah, can we that, start there? That would be the last bastion And then just of, go, of hope, like, right. down the list of preserving some yeah. other stuff along the way. But I know that, that, um, that Munkin is not necessarily a big lover of the idea of, of being non-independent again. I think that uh, he's a fan of, of them having that independent status. But I know that he's also acknowledged of, like, hey – there might be a time when there's not a choice, uh, you know, of whether or not we should still be independent. Like the same theory that people have with Notre Dame of like, well, they're eventually going to have to choose to be in a conference or not. And I still don't feel like we're really in that immediate space with, with them by any means. I mean, shoot, they're helping the ACC add teams. They're not even a full-fledged member uh, in football. Or, I mean, uh, yeah, in football. Uh, so, um yeah, it would be weird and not necessarily what you would want, um, but it's also part of the reality of the, the situation that you're in with realignment right now, and this might be like a, just a move that you have to do. All right, uh, you want to hold on here in case Rick Hart calls in or you want to take a break here? Um, we're right in the like that danger zone, so let's go ahead and hold on here. All right, we'll, we'll hold on with yeah. that. So, so we, I feel for Oregon State and Washington State that yeah. this is still dragging on, even though it's kind of starting to come into to clear focus of what's going to happen. But, you know, like you said, they both won. Um, they're both right there, you know, in the conversation when it comes to the Pac-12 and both have an opportunity to make a whole heck of a lot of noise because there's a lot of ranked Pac teams and, you know, big storylines and big quarterbacks and all of that. So it's shaping up to be the kind of season that you hoped it could be through one week, mind you. Um, but, you know, I, I'm going to be rooting for those teams. I think, you know, they're they're America's teams in, in so many ways. Oregon State in particular, but I think Washington State as well. I would love to see them both. I'd love to see them in the Pac-12 championship game. That would be amazing if we could pick and choose some outcomes. That would be uh, sensational. But I, I do feel for them, and um, that's – you know, the Big 12 came so close, and others have, have teased it as well, that you kind of think about, like, what would that be like if things changed dramatically? Um, in this case, like a demotion of sorts, potentially. And um, it's hard to really wrap your head around. So I, I would think that there's, yeah, a lot of just confusion and, and kind of angst, but also excitement that there at least some football right now to hopefully, uh, you know, uh, take away some of the, the negativity. And while we wait yep. on Rick Hart, let's go ahead and talk about Oregon State's current quarterback and his father, Big Dave Uyangalale, uh, says, I get it. You're against, and forgive the spelling error there, uh, the portal, and you dislike NIL, but that's how that's you and how you feel. You're obligations to the athletes and what bets fits the success of the program. And he's talking, of course, about Dabo Sweeney, seen there in on3s.com's uh, infographic, but uh, this is going to be the narrative about Clemson until he retires from that job or changes what he's doing. And I like just looking it up. I thought like for sure he's going to got like he's going to go get a safety or a guard or something like that. Three guys in three years and none of them have played. And when everybody else is is shortcutting it and getting guys who are already developed, and you're waiting on your guys, your freshmen and sophomores to be ready to play, you're giving an advantage to everybody else. Look, if Saban's doing it, I don't think it's a hill you need to die on anymore. Yeah, a hot take here. I think uh, infograph culture in college football is way out of hand at this point on social media. Like, yeah. that was just a picture of a tweet with Dabo slapped behind it. <laughs> like, but, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I think that DJU's dad is, um, is, uh, right to be, you know, um, in, you know, expressing his opinion and his thoughts given the amount of slander his son, you know, yep. uh, had to take on and the amount of blame that he received. And so for him to go out and have a big, you know, win right out of the gates, a new opportunity, 
I think is huge. And, yeah, if I was his father, I'd probably be talking a little bit of smack after what I saw on Monday night as well. So, um, yeah, I think there's more to come there. All right. We are joined by the director of athletics at SMU. They will be a part of the ACC. We know that story and where they are. Rick Hart joins Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina, and David Smoke. Rick, thank you so much. Uh, I don't know why you weren't on with us last week. There was nothing going on. You haven't been busy. But honestly, congratulations. We had you on when there was at least the possibility of what the Big 12 might do. When that did not happen and the Pac-12 fell apart, did you feel like perhaps your opening had been shut? Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, always great to be on with you guys. Um, no. You know, we, we we knew and had been, again, um, exploring the possibility of whether or not, you know, the ACC might expand, and if so, you know, if, if we would make sense. And so, um, no, we, we I didn't feel it was over at all. And, you know, I think we just kind of, pivoted for lack of a better term to next man on deck rick the a lot has been made about the sacrifice financially you guys are making to jump in to the acc and foregoing all that that revenue for so many years how do you uh how did you come to that decision and how do you have to sell that to the alumni about you know, raising those funds and making sure that the, the gap doesn't widen between you and the teams that are still going to get that money? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I, again, uh, first of all, um, you know, the, that decision, if you will, the, the, the agreement that we ultimately formalized, you know, had to be supported by and approved by the president and our board of trustees, which was done so unanimously. So, uh, I'm grateful for their support, and I'm grateful um, that they see and and believe what we do, which is to say that this is an investment. Um, you know, we're not really sacrificing any revenue. Again, we we never had it, but there's but there's an understanding and appreciation for what you just articulated that we've now got to go out and generate some revenue so we can be competitive in the ACC. And I'm confident that we're going to be able to do that. Um, I've had some individuals describe to me that that's inspiring. And uh, and that's just the mentality of our alumni base. And so um, that's the way we'll do it for a period of years. What was the reaction of your head football coach uh, when you when he first heard the news? I mean, we talked to Rhett uh, a couple different times, and there was always a question of like, "Hey, you know, the future's uncertain. You guys are in the mix, but uh, you know, then this move happened, and we haven't talked to him since." But uh, what was the the reaction from uh, your head coach there and, and Rhett Lashley? I think he said, "That's awesome." Now I gotta I gotta make sure we beat Louisiana Tech, <laughs> yeah, right? Um, now he's been engaged, as have our other head coaches. Um, you know, he and I were in communication. He, it was obviously of interest to him, but he also, again, really did trust that the university leadership uh, and 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 I would, you know, take that where it could go. And so he was able. He he had been focused on football, and he was grateful that it wasn't a distraction. But clearly, he's incredibly excited about the opportunity. Uh, in recruiting and in building and and strengthening the roster that 
you know, membership of the Atlantic Coast Conference will bring starting in 2024. What, if any, are demands from the ACC on what you must do better? You know, um, again, I think they expect us to be competitive, and they're clearly satisfied that we've demonstrated that you know we'll we'll be in a position to to do just that to add value. Um, otherwise, there aren't really any strings attached. I mean, there's um, you know there's uh, there haven't been conversations yet, although there are some scheduled now about scheduling and. We just got a copy of their bylaws and those types of things. But um, as you might imagine, they did their research on the front end. And so I think they feel very good about how not just SMU is an institution and an athletics program will bring value to the ACC, but having a, uh, a presence in Dallas, Texas, and being able to engage their alumni here and uh, and being able to serve as kind of a bridge to the West Coast, to Cal and Stanford, I think are all things that they're excited about. Rick Hart, the uh, director of athletics at SMU with us on 365 Sports. Rick, it's well documented what you guys have had to come out of over the last 30 years, uh, 30 plus 35 years, uh, to reestablish yourself on the scene. What was that like for you and the journey to be a part of to put SMU back on the map after years and years of uh, still serving a punishment that had already been served? over and over again uh, for something that had long passed that, that nobody had anything to do with it. But now here you are back on the scene. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I can articulate it. You know, I, I, I can't put into words the journey um, or really what it means and what it feels like to have been here and a part of a process that delivered what is, universally unique to SMU and the individuals that um, experienced the last 35, 40 years. It, you know, there, it's, it's literally um, uncomparable. And so it's hard to articulate other than to say that it feels great and um, it's, it's very rewarding. It would have been disappointing even though, you know, we knew all along we didn't completely control, you know, who expanded, when they expanded, you know, what the criteria might be, whether or not we'd be a fit. But it would have been disappointing. It would have felt empty had um, my time at SMU ended without being able to check that box. And so um, it's an incredible feeling. And, and I think it'll even amplify when we actually go into the league officially in July. I was going to say, like, how, how, like, what's the magnitude? And you might not be able to articulate this all the way as well, but what's the magnitude of, of how much the brand's amplified simply, Rick, by being in this league, being a part of the quote unquote Power Five versus where you've been the last few years? Yeah, it's just, it's, it's huge. I mean, first of all, two weeks with, you know, our brand alongside Stanford and Cal mm. is good for the brand. And then, you know, now to affiliate, you know, with all the other members who are in the ACC, I mean, it's already having an impact. It's already the topic of conversation, no matter where I go or who I'm with. And I think it's going to be that way for a while. And the exciting part is, and, and we've talked about, we don't want to limit 
what's possible with this. I mean, we have some ideas of what we think we can expect and what will occur and where the opportunities might manifest. But I think it'd be foolish for us to to limit that because I believe that there are going to be things on the horizon that we, we, we haven't even dreamed of, haven't even thought about yet. It's, it's, it's that big of a moment for us. Rick, everything in realignment is about maybe is about helping the institution who you represent with you. It's SMU. Obviously, Cal and Stanford all of a sudden looked up and the room was empty other than Oregon State, Washington State. Uh, how much with Cal and Stanford? And I got to say, when I first heard Cal Stanford and the ACC, that kind of that was interesting. But when they said Cal Stanford and SMU, it caught my attention because we know you. You've been on this show and I'll see right here in our backyard of what we cover. Did Cal and Stanford push for you? You know, I'm going to frame it this way. I'm going to answer your question. But I, Cal and Stanford's availability and then coupled with SMU, I believe, was an, was an incredible catalyst for this to happen for a number of reasons. And in my conversations with with Stanford in particular, and not not to say that Cal wasn't here, but I, I just I, I have more knowledge about Stanford's position. Um, yes, I believe that they they also saw the synergies, and they also believed that SMU was an important partner in this um, this transaction, for lack of a better term, and so it just the synergies around that, I think, became apparent to all parties and became very critical to this happening. I had a former SMU player tell me that it's great because we feel like we've been in the wilderness for many, many years. Paul kind of alluded to what the program has been through and it's taken forever and ever. Did it feel like at times the wilderness? No, but 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 I, but I know what you're saying, and, and, and I'm splitting hairs a little bit. Let, let me elaborate. Um, I'm incredibly proud of SMU, SMU athletics, what we've achieved. Um, again, I've been here 11 years, so I'll stick with that. Over the last 11 years, our trajectory, mm-hmm. the accomplishments, the quality of our people, the quality of our student athletes, the competitiveness of our program, um, you know, to do, and to do it where we sit in the landscape, I think makes it even that much more impressive. Um, and it was special. We've had special moments, and, and we've we've shaped people's lives, which is what we're here to do. Now, having said that, the one thing we could never overcome with some people, from a brand perspective, from a quote perception and quality perspective, was you know we we weren't seen as being that highest level, you know, and and that was used against us, and it, it was limiting at times. And so to now have that uh, no longer um, in place again is going to really unleash some things that that I think we couldn't couldn't achieve otherwise. Has TCU called about uh, a future home and home? Now that uh, I guess in their eyes you're you're more in line as far as Power Five schools go. That'd be a good question for them. Uh, you know, I did ask when when I was informed that that the, the series was going to be paused if it would matter if we were a quote power five program and you know i didn't get a clear response so i'm but i have not gotten a phone call on that front no did that take you aback were you ready for that it didn't surprise me 
Rick Hart, Director of Athletics at SMU, with us on 365 Sports. Rick, I know that you've heard it before. I mean, uh, SMU is a sliver of a lot of different slivers in the Dallas-Fort Worth market. It's a very interesting place, much like Houston is, of just there's so many different schools around and the geography and all of that. How much do you think having this this brand that you're now a part of, uh, you know, we talked about the magnitude and the amplifying, but how much do you think you can dig your claws further into the city of Dallas because of the the backing, so to speak, that you that you now have with the ACC and, and some of the, you know, the matchups that will now be coming to the city? Yeah, I mean, it'll help. Again, I, we're realistic about, you know, look, I've been in college towns and, and metroplexes and anywhere in between. And there's advantages and disadvantages, you know, to all of them in terms of when you're trying to gather support. Uh, you know, I, I understand being in Dallas is challenging. There's a lot of competition, sports and entertainment. You can always pick a winner. You know, as a as a smaller private school, you know we're not we're not going to bring the masses um, in terms of our alumni base. However, there's no doubt that when you're when you're trying to get fringe fans and, and maybe fans of other schools or be somebody's local school or local, um, you know, uh, mascot that you cheer for, affiliating with the ACC again. I'm just telling you, people like winners. They like the best, and um, and that that affiliation is going to have a lot greater reach. And uh, having those other programs come in, we we know it. I mean, we've we've competed against those programs in non conference games, and when we do, uh, people show up and people support and people get excited. But now we're going to be able to do that a on a scale that we haven't been able to do before, and b we'll be a peer institution. And so um, it's my expectation that that our venues are going to be packed. Moody's going to be the hottest ticket in town again. And as I've said, you know, you better get your tickets now because if you wait till next year, you may get left out. <laughs> Rick, you guys are also going to be the hub of, I think you said the gateway to, to the West Coast, uh, essentially with Olympic sports uh, presumably coming in and doing a lot there. Uh, obviously, you can't host everything on your campus, but for for that, like, how is that even gonna gonna work? This is really new territory. You guys are 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 blazing for for college athletics. Yeah, I mean, we haven't talked about the logistics of it, but I think conceptually, I can see very clearly. You know, that, it, that it's a concept that has merit. I think it's the way, as I said earlier, we need to be thinking. We, we've got to continue to think about how to do new and creative things to help mitigate travel, mitigate missed classes, better support uh, and enhance the support for our student-athletes, particularly as these conferences become literally national uh, conferences. And um, we're delighted at the idea that we could be a hub for that. You know, we've got championship caliber facilities. We've got the infrastructure with two airports and hotels. And, you know, I mean, it, people love to come to Dallas, uh, the ease of travel. So I think that's a way we can really differentiate ourselves and, and create, um, you know, some real value for SMU. In the end, with how this is structured for SMU and the ACC, we know about the, the, the revenue and or lack of it, whatever, but you were making money in the AAC. Is the extra revenue you get from the ACC more than that, along with whatever others contribute to you that are alums and donors? It's all plus side. I mean, again, we, we could 
we're not taking a step back. I right. said this from a revenue perspective. And now the opportunities to generate significant revenues across all revenue streams, again, just can't be matched um, when you're not in the club, right? And, right. And, and, and without ACC membership. And so while it's going to require a lot of work, and it's not going to happen overnight. I'm not, I'm not um, ignorant to that, and and I don't take for granted that the generosity of our alumni and the community. Having said all that, it's inspiring. We're going to have a lot of fun. I expect a great response, and I expect that we'll be able to. Again, it's all upside. I mean, the opportunities we're going to have to generate revenue, to showcase Dallas, to to broaden our support base. Um, are just exponentially greater in the Atlantic Coast Conference. And I think that's what our board and the president obviously saw and believed when they approved uh, the move. Rick, a, a couple more questions. We appreciate your time. We always love to have you on the show. And you mentioned, kind of alluded to this, a seat at the table, correct, for whatever is next in college football athletics to be a part of a Power Five. Is that to have to make sure you have and you know there's a seat at the table? Yes. I mean, and again, we, that doesn't mean anything's guaranteed. That's right. not how life works. We get it. But let's be honest. First of all, we need the opportunity to fully leverage everything we can to maximize our opportunities. And you can't do that when you're not in the Atlantic Coast Conference. All right. Um, and that's not, I talked about how proud I am and, and what we did in the American. I mean, and, I, and I'm sincere about that. Um, but at the same time, you just can't maximize it. So now we have some time to do that. And I think to solidify that seat at the table long term, you know, as things over the course of time, I don't know if that's five years, 10 years, 20 years, continue to evolve. We want to make sure that SMU is positioned to be at that table long term. So we'll close it out with this. Uh, so much going on. And, oh, yeah, there's a little football game this weekend. Uh, I mean, how excited are you for the big opportunity at Oklahoma? And I guess it just must feel like, you know, even though that game's in Norman, but with what we're talking about and with what the, the program's got going on, big opportunity this weekend, uh, just more momentum, I, I guess, for the, for the SMU brand and, and potentially a lot more this weekend. Yeah, it's a great opportunity. And, it, and it's just that, you know. Uh, you know we, uh, we expect that if we play well, that we can compete, um, but it's, it's, we know it's hard to leave Norman with a dub. Um, but, but that's that's the mentality we'll go on there with. And if that happens, as you said, it's it's just going to be an accelerant. It's just going to it's going to be a multiplier on on what our community is feeling right now. But it's not a barometer in terms of you know the success of the season either. Um, and so I think that's a great position to be in as a team. Uh, that you can go in, hopefully you can play loose. Um, you know, you, you know you belong, but at the same time, you don't have to play under the pressure that, you know, you, you've got to leave there with a win. And so we'll see what happens, but I believe in our team. I believe in our coaches. And as you said, um, it's just a terrific opportunity uh, for us to go in and, and see if we can make something special happen. Rick, I know you're busy, and uh, I know last week was crazy. And it, it never stops for directors of athletics anymore with the way college football is. Congratulations. We appreciate it. We appreciate you being on the show when you can. And thank you very much for the insight and the time. 
Yeah, I appreciate y'all. I'm happy to return anytime and uh, pony up. Thank you, Rick Hart, SMU Director of Athletics. And that was interesting when the Pac-12, of course, there was that. San Diego State, that didn't work out. The Big 12, there was that a couple of years ago. Obviously, that was really never much there and how he did not give up hope. And uh, uh, interesting about some of the revenue, that in the end it's still going to be a positive. You know, you lose the AAC money, you're not going to get most of the ACC money, but there's still going to be revenue and people are going to pony up as far as literally with their checkbooks as well. Yeah. Look at what you just uh, look at that. Pony up is yeah, a nice way yeah. of fitting that in there. No, I, uh, I made this argument, though, um, about like when people were saying they're paying their way in. I was like, but they're not technically paying anything. Yeah. Like They're not losing money, but they're not paying it. They're just not, there's just no money coming their way. So that's, that's kind of how I, I viewed it, and I think that's how they're clearly viewing it as well. But there's no denying, I mean – Look, it didn't make sense for them to be in the Big 12 unless you were just going to go to super regionalized geographic like the old days and you were going to do like some mutant of the Southwest Conference and, you know, the the Big 8 or something, which was the Big 12, (laughs) you know. But if you were trying to do that, it made sense. But in this climate... Houston and TCU and Tech and I mean they don't they don't want SMU and and rightfully so but I mean kudos to them for just not giving up for making the sacrifices they had to make obviously it helps when you've got the the mega donors that they have um, but you know they saw like the light of a, like a pinhole and had to thread that absolutely perfectly and even then like it kind of disappeared for a second because the Big Twelve wasn't interested or the Pac twelve suddenly fallen I mean the Pac twelve thing was like a layup the way that was being portrayed mm-hmm. that was a no brainer. Them and San Diego State were basically one foot in the conference the way it was being, you know, portrayed. But, um, yeah, you know, that falls apart, and I can only imagine the mad scramble and then to find yourself in this contingent going to the ACC now where it's, what, a better opportunity overall? I mean, potentially. I mean, you look at Clemson and Florida State, and I know that the future's murky there, but for right now, they're in a conference with those schools in addition to, you know, the academic powers that they wanted to associate themselves with and the new ones, so... Um, yeah, I mean, a grand slam for the Mustangs, for sure. Yeah, the layup was used a couple of times, Pac-12. It didn't work out that way. I wonder if they're going to get revenue from the ACC if they host conference games between East Coast and West Coast on their location. Well, I bet you that's got to be part of Maybe the just, thing. Maybe just not talking But it's also not, I mean, that's not TV revenue, right? That's, right. You know. Well, here's a note. I read this. This is in the front office sports. The tax returns suggest that non-media ACC distributions will be about $9 million per school. Okay, so then that's probably about what they're getting in the AAC, Somewhere right? In that so neighborhood, yes. they're not losing, you know, they're not losing, they're getting the $9 million, which for an athletic department, even at an AA, like that goes away, like $9 million is gone before you can, you know, you get the check and it's already, you know. It's like you know they get paid and then it's already in the in the like bank for the bills. Yeah, it's paycheck. already out. Yep. So that's that's what it is. And so, <clears throat> like uh, Billy Embody said this to me on Friday when I had him on the show. They don't look at it as losing thirty million dollars or thirty five million dollars because they don't have thirty five million dollars. They weren't losing that in the first place. They look at it as well. I mean. They're losing, like he said, they're not losing any money. I mean, they're just, now they have to fundraise to a point that's bigger to make sure that the gap over near a decade doesn't grow. But clearly, you don't make this move. Like, if you go to the big money people and say, look, we need your help for this on nine years, and they say, no, you can't make it. You have to just like, all right, well, this is the only way we can do it. But clearly, the people have decided to make the move. So, yeah, good on SMU, and please... 
host FSU next year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't spend or you can't uh, lose what you don't have, right? Mm-hmm. So they're not technically losing ACC money because they never mm-hmm. had it. Um, but yeah, they're definitely spending more and splurging. And you know, if we look up in twenty years from now, SMU is like the number th- three brand in the state of Texas. Well, then we'll look back on this very, very move as the catalyst as to why. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? Maybe it doesn't work out really well, um, but there's no doubt their profile's been raised, and they are all in at the table uh, with their their donors and their their money guys. So um, it's going to be a fascinating experiment to see how like the logistics of it work, but also just how SMU fits into it all. It, it'll be fun to see in the last, you know, next year, two or three, whatever they do bring in as far as or create themselves with revenue coming up next rob mosley covers oregon they're playing in lubbock against tech tech coming off the loss to wyoming oregon put up 81 on portland state rob mosley on the ducks in lubbock that's next and this is 365 sports uh there was a meeting earlier this week at waco regional tennis and fitness for a pickleball tournament that will be coming to them soon uh, to their location, they have committed to that sport. Jody Thurman is the instructor, and they have a bunch of people who play. And you can see them out on the court as early as whenever the gym opens at around 5 until throughout the day and packed in the weekends too. It has really been a smart decision, and now they'll have a pickleball tournament coming up around the corner, one of the fastest-growing hobbies anywhere in the United States. Their tennis academy with Britt Coleman, who's the uh, youth uh, pro, And then also what they have with Blake, who's the adult uh, pro and instructor, is unbelievable. The facilities are great. Colleges play tournaments there. High schools play tournaments there. Matches are there. Uh, Some of the even professional events play at Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness. They have a fantastic and a beautiful stadium court. They've upgraded all the various courts with even better type scoreboards. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. During Ram Power Days at Allen Samuels, shop our great selection of brand new Ram trucks designed to be durable, functional, and stylish. Allen Samuels in Waco is the place to shop Ram trucks. Come by and see our large selection today or browse online at allensamuelsdcj.com. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and and so much more, all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and baker. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone-in ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want 
They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. It takes time to reach goals. It's a truth that applies to more than sports. It goes for your financial goals as well. You work hard for your money, and you deserve an investment strategy that lines up with your game plan. And Chuck Verno, your Edward Jones financial advisor, can help. If financial investments aren't putting forth the effort you desire, stop by today for a financial review. Chuck Verno, 720 North 64th Street in Waco, 254-732-1161. Edward Jones, member SIPC. is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is brought to you by Edward Jones and financial advisor Cam Heathcott. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. One of the games that has been built up throughout the offseason is that Oregon game in Lubbock against Texas Tech. A little bit of a sting because of Tech's loss at Wyoming, but should be one heck of an atmosphere in Lubbock. Rob Mosley covers Oregon for GoDucks.com and joins us, Craig Paul and David Smoke here on 365 Sports. Rob, obviously, Oregon did whatever they wanted against uh, Portland State. What are they expecting with Texas Tech coming off a loss? Does that even get the radar up even more? Yeah, I mean, I think it was pretty high already. I think, you know, just, you know, going on the road for the first time with this group that, you know, Oregon's got a lot of young players, played a lot of freshmen, played 25 two freshmen last week. And obviously the, the, you know, the circumstances of that game allowed for a little of that, but I think they're going to rely on some of those young guys too. So you're taking a team with, with some youth uh, on the road for the first time at a place that's, you know, really well known for being a really hostile environment. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, to answer your question, no, I don't think the circumstances for tech last week were probably were going to change much you know, how the Ducks approach this one. I think this was, you know, they knew this was going to be a, a stern test regardless of the other circumstances. Just, again, going on the road, facing a tough program uh, in a tough place to play. Rob, Bo Nix uh, came last year to Oregon, and, you know, he kind of had this reputation of, you know, waiting to the last minute to show uh, all the, the clubs in his bag, and now that's not the case. He's one of the superstars of college football and a Heisman candidate. How uh, – much more do you expect him to ascend this season over last year that he is now playing with a confidence that seems to be kind of unmatched? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's strange to say for a guy who completed over 70% of his passes last year, but I just think, you know, he I think he expected himself to be even more efficient this year. I mean, his knowledge of the system, even though he's playing under a new offensive coordinator this year in Will Stein, um, still pretty similar system, uh, pretty similar to the system they ran under Kenny Dillingham last year. I, you know, I, I just think he took so many positive steps with Coach Dillingham last year in terms of kind of reining in some of the stuff that would get him in trouble in the past, but without kind of losing that kind of 
freestyle freelancing element to his game that also makes him so dangerous too. You know, they're, they're still there. Um, you just try to, you know, kind of minimize mistakes. And, and I just think they did a great job in tandem last year. And so building on that is just to get even more efficient. And I think you saw the performance last week. I, you know, there might've been one, maybe two throws he'd like to have back. But other than that, uh, he was, he played close to a flawless game. Uh, it seems like so. Um, yeah, it's just kind of refinement. You know, he's at an age where you don't expect a guy to improve leaps and bounds year over year. Um, but yeah, I still, I, I think, yeah, he can expect more of himself, uh, this year, even than what he did last year. Rob, what are some of uh, your remaining unanswers for Oregon? Because with all due respect to Portland State, obviously didn't put up the stiffest challenge and, and whatnot. So what are some things that you're still eyeing, especially going up against a team like Texas Tech, where you know it's going to be a bit of a different story one way or the other? Yeah, I think a couple of different things. You know, like I said, you're, you know, it is a new offensive coordinator, and um, I think the idea was to have some similarities to things uh, that worked so well for this program and this personnel last year because a lot of the skill guys, a lot of the same weapons are back. And so, um, you know, they had some success last year. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. But by the same token, you know, what are some new wrinkles that, that Will Stein wanted to bring into this offense that, you know, probably you feel like you don't have to show um, in a game like last week's game? Um, so, you know, kind of what else is there in the, in the playbook that, that uh, you know, that might get dusted off for this one as, as opposed to last week? And, and that, but I think that, you know, the bigger question overall about the Oregon team this season is, um, you know, I think, you know, kind of the offense, this is a program where I think offense is always going to be the identity kind of regardless of, of anything else, just because that's, um, you know, that's kind of West Coast football, that's Pac-12 Pac football out here, um, you know, quarterbacks, putting up points, all that. Um, and then just the nature of kind of how Oregon kind of made its name, broke through nationally the last 20 years or so. Um, but, I think there's some real hope that, you know, given Dan Lanning's background on the defensive side of the ball um, and the way they've recruited on that side of the ball, that the, the defense could really, you know, they talked a lot about kind of the notion of good to great all off season, that the defense could really take that next step from being a good solid unit to being one that was really a difference maker. Um, and so affect the quarterback more in terms of the pass rush, um, you know, maybe be more, more, more playmakers on the back end, force a few more turnovers, things like that. And so, yeah, you didn't really have an opportunity to really show any of that last last week. A, it was, you know, a, an opponent that was from a lower division, and B, one that really liked to, like, run the quarterback a lot, so you had to respect that. Um, and so I think as this season progresses, beginning this weekend, but but also beyond, I think Oregon fans are really interested to see kind of what this defense look like looks like and what the ceiling is on that side of the ball. Lanning, with that defensive background with what he did at Georgia – Last year, Matthew Pallage was a part of the coaching staff, co-defensive coordinator. He's now at Baylor, had a very difficult opening game. How much was he involved in the defensive calls last year for the Ducks? Yeah, I don't know so much about calls, but I think, you know, he's obviously a really, really sharp guy. I mean, every time I'd be at like a, a press conference that he would do, I'd come away thinking that guy's going to be a head coach uh, and probably not very long from now. And I thought the same thing about Kenny Dillingham. Not sure I thought it was going to happen this year, but – uh, you know, sure enough, he, you know, that's, those are a couple of just guys who just were young, but just had a, a presence about them, a maturity, a bearing, an enthusiasm, an intensity that you knew, you know, kids would respond to. So, you know, I think it's, 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 it's no, no surprise either one of those guys has advanced so far so young just because, you know, they're both just really sharp guys. Um, and again, re really built for it. Yeah, obviously a, t a tough start for, for Baylor last week, but, you know, I think, I think, you know, Again, Coach Powell is a young guy, and again, just you know, 
has all the tools, I think, to, to probably be running a program of his own uh, in the not-too-distant future. Rob, how tense is this Pac-12 race going to get if everybody continues to run at this pace? I mean, like, th- there are – this is – and that's, I think it's the saddest thing about the league falling apart is literally this is the best year that they've had in, in maybe 15 or 20 where how many really good teams are out there? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think some of the frustration out here has always been about this league is that, you know, parity, you know, was a good thing in terms of entertainment value and competitive football and, you know, a lot of different fan bases feeling like their teams had a chance. Um, but it didn't, you know, it didn't always result in one team kind of rising to the top and being really separating itself. And so, you know, success now for leagues is kind of judged on, you know, are you in the playoff or aren't you? Uh, and so it's just, it, it's kind of ironic to see this thing that has always been true about the conference that, uh, you know, there's a lot of quality teams that are kind of tightly bunched and it's going to make for a really competitive, entertaining race. Um, and suddenly people are noticing that, I think, by the nature of the quality of the quarterbacks out here, because, you know, it is, it's, a, it's a quarterback-driven game, obviously. Um, I guess my fear is, you know, that the same thing could happen this year that happens most years, is that if this is going to be a hard league to emerge from with, with zero losses or one loss. Um, and that's the resume you need to put together to make the playoffs. So, you know, I, I think the fear is that, you know, a couple months from now, we're talking about the fact that one more time, this conference is seen as not, you know, potentially not worthy of a playoff bid because some really close, tightly bunched competitive teams, um, you know, all test each other and, and, and kind of take each other out and, 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 you know, you're left standing at the end, uh, kind of on the outside looking in. Obviously, I hope, for, you know, as a guy whose uh, paychecks come from the University of Oregon, I obviously hope that the Ducks are not in that in that boat. But um, uh, I do think, you know, a lot of the characteristics that apply to the league this year have applied in many, in many seasons in years past. You know, the exception being just the depth of the quarterback quality. I mean, it really, really is an elite group. Rob, you know, you can only tell so much of a, a geographic a rivalry dynamic from from social media. It's totally different when you're actually experiencing it. So, is there heartbreak or or, or I guess uh, maybe another phrase along that from Oregon fans towards Oregon State's current predicament, or is there point and laugh? Like, how would you describe that dynamic with the way that those two are are now going separate directions? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously broadly, you know, there's there's some of both, you know, depending on kind of what, what fans, what fans you're talking about. But I think generally speaking, you know, Washington is the, is the rival that, you know, Oregon fans kind of love to hate and it's very much mutual. Um, Oregon state's the one that's kind of like your, you know, your family member that when you're competing against them, you know, you want to beat them. But when, when you're not competing against them, you're kind of, I don't know if rooting for them is the word, but um, you, you probably root against some other people more than you root against them. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of, I think, you know, I certainly from my point of view, I think there's a lot of empathy towards, you know, people at the conference level, you know, and people at certainly Oregon State and Washington State that, you know, in a re- seem to be in a really tough spot right now, given all this upheaval around college football. It's, you know, there, it's, yeah, there are some folks that, um, you know, kind of right now seem left out uh, in the cold and, that, and that's disappointing to see. One more thing, Robin. We appreciate your time. Tyler Shuck, quarterback at Texas Tech, had a really good end of last year after being injured. Um, and obviously they had the tough loss to Wyoming. He started well. What about him, the reunion with Oregon, obviously a, a player that left to go play at Texas Tech? Yeah, it's really ironic. I mean, this is this is going to be the second time he and Bo Nix are on opposite sidelines for a game. Um, 
you know, Nick's first game in 2019 was, was at Auburn against Oregon and Tyler was on the Oregon sideline at the back of the Justin Herbert and, and, you know, man, how much things change around college football these days. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm interested to watch Tyler. It's going to be fun to see him. Um, you know, just a kid who got here and, you know, kind of like I was talking about Matt Powledge. I mean, just had this really impressive bearing about him the moment he got here as a freshman, just a mature kid, a heady kid. Um, you know, somebody who works in communications, like a guy we love to roll out there in front of the media whenever the opportunity presented itself because he was just, you know, built built for the spotlight. And, you know, I know like like everybody, you know, college football tests you and guys have ups and guys have downs. But, um, you know, he's a guy I, I always root for because I just thought he was just a classic kid, a hardworking kid, a good kid. Um, and obviously hope, don't, hope he doesn't have too much success this week, but, you know, certainly rooting for him in the big picture. Rob, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. I know you're busy. Rob Mosley with us. Uh, GoDucks.com covers Oregon on their game in Lubbock against Texas Tech. Joey McGuire and his team coming off the loss to Wyoming. When we come back, Paul Catalina and his top five, and this is 365 Sports. Petty Clinic Low T.com. Dr. Kent Petty can help you become the high performance man you want to be, need to be, and used to be. And I, I did see this, and I'll drop this in on one of the threads in the uh, Sikkim365.com. Someone was talking about how Baylor needed more energy, more oomph, whatever. And somebody actually put up a logo of Dr. Petty's business in the thread. I laughed at that. Uh, it can help you out. No, he can help you out. The business can help you out. If you're lethargic, you don't sleep as well, your focus is not great, all of the above, when you are possibly one out of every three to four men who have symptomatic issues, low testosterone, including sex drive is not there, and ED issues, Dr. Petty can help you out. Here's how you can get help. Get online, call them or email them. Go to go uh, pettycliniclowt.com. The information's top left-hand corner. They will then set up for you to go get your blood work, lab work. Dr. Petty gets the testosterone level results and if it's too low, he could put you in a program to increase all of that. So you could become the high-performance man you want to be, used to be and need to be at pettycliniclowt.com. Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle, we move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears! 
It's another time to speak with Samantha Duvall from TexasBeefHouse.com. Handles the marketing and someone that you will talk to a lot when you do call for the great product of the Texas-raised Wagyu beef. It's college football season, tailgating. It's a big deal. People love to put beef and pork and chicken, etc. on the grill. Let me know what you have. We've got everything. If you've got a morning game, you can get our breakfast sausage or our bacon. You can tailgate with some breakfast tacos if you've got an afternoon or evening game. We, of course, got our hamburger patties, their half-pound patties, four patties to a package, and we even have jalapeno and cheese patties. They're amazing. They'll blow your mind. Just that extra flavor, not too spicy. They have a high-heat cheese, so they don't melt on the grill, and our patties don't shrink up on the grill either. Anytime you order, use our code SICKEM10 to get 10% off your order of $100 or more. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu from our pasture to your plate. That's Samantha the Duval, TexasBeefHouse.com. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. It's time for Paul Catalina's Top 5 Brought to you by Texas Beef House Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu From our pasture to your plate TexasBeefHouse.com Top 5 Week 1 Reactions This is a little bit delayed I wasn't here the last uh, couple days Um but uh, just wanted to kind of throw this out, discuss this with the fellers here, everybody in the room, the bros, the guys, the dudes up here with me. That's right. All right. Number five, Mike Elko can coach. Absolutely. He, I mean, this shouldn't be a surprise, but the way that he had his team ready for that game against Clemson, I, I mean, like, and some of them watching the game, like some of this is I know Clemson's got to get playmakers. We're going to talk about that in a second, but um, – this is a different Clemson roster than maybe they've had before, but to have his team ready in that when they made mistakes, they didn't let the specter of Clemson like, oh, well, this was nice. You know, we, we had them down, we were winning and you know, that was cute. I'm glad everybody's going to be excited and go like, oh, you guys almost had it. It was the intensity that they had was unbelievable. Uh, Florida state is 19 and 0 against Duke all time. And this is the first time as a fan of Florida State that I've ever been like, I don't want to play Duke. I mean, honestly, yeah. in the lowest years, I'm like, well, at least they've got Duke. Now I'm like, oh, man, I would like to kind of cycle them off the schedule this year. Yeah, man, he's a he's a hot name, and rightfully so. Uh, you know, obviously came over from Texas A&M and, uh, you know, got that job. And, you know, you don't know when guys take over programs, especially kind of, you know, brand-new head coaches of how all that's going to work. And, I mean, shoot, won nine games last year, um, got them to the postseason, obviously, um, you know, uh, won a bowl game, got into this year, and then right out of the gate you beat Clemson, and you get to storm the field at your place in a primetime game where no other game's on. I mean, yeah, they, they got the mojo right now, man. They really do. And, and we're talking Duke football. Like, what? What are we talking about? Like, this isn't Spurrier back in the day, or you know, and I know there's been points in between too, but yeah, it's it's unique and it's different and it's new. 
but it's cool. And uh, I think he, you know, he's doing a great job there, to say the least. You know who they, to me, remind me of? Of what Stanford was with David Shaw. Yeah. Solid ground game. Of course, the quarterback was had the big run that really kind of like, whoa, this really is not going to happen, or this really is going to happen for Duke. They kind of have that mentality to me of what Stanford was with David Shaw. Here's Yeah, here's what you can't do. You cannot yeah. look at Duke on the schedule and be like, okay, we can play poorly and still win that game. Yep. No, you can't. No. You're going to have to play really well to win that game because they will take advantage of it. Now, I will say this. Clemson shot itself in the foot. Yeah. So, like, you're not Duke and you didn't play – you know, if you're Duke, you didn't play perfect. You didn't just, like, blow – I mean, you blew them out, basically. But, you know, that is another one of those games of, like, a couple things flip. So, they've you know, they've got some stuff to work on. But I say that just to say of, like, yeah, they're probably going to stumble, but, man, they're in a really they, good spot. They out-physical Clemson, and that's another yes. Clemson yes, very absolutely. often. Number four, Travis Hunter is college football Otani. I mean, he – don't – Trademark that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I probably did not do it in time. Somebody else is going to have this idea. It's probably not an original thought, but we're living in the Otani times. Unfortunately, he had the, the elbow injury. He has to have Tommy John again, but he's going to pitch again. The – I'm trying to think back of some of the other guys who played both ways. Most of the time – you're one or the other, and you have a package on the other side of the ball. Um, and usually it's like if you're a cornerback, you have a wide receiver group of like, okay, we're going to throw these couple routes at you. We've got some some things that are almost kind of gimmicky, and we're just going to put the ball in your hands. But he is full-time, both sides, playing a ton. Was it 140 snaps? Yeah, is some that right? like ridiculous amount of snaps. Now, he probably is not going to have to do that in every single game, but Colorado's schedule is tough. So they're going to – hope that he does it in a lot of them and he is just such an amazing playmaker um and just the perfect dude for Dion. like they're going back and looking on it like if you know he he they famously went to jackson state and followed Dion, and a lot of people thought like that's crazy like why would that be crazy like you are the perfect Dion guy Going with Dion, this is it's just kind of amazing to watch. Yeah, went tracked it down. Uh, played every snap on defense and overall played eighty seven percent of offensive and defensive. Yeah, I mean, snaps. it was one hundred and forty snaps. So like uh, yeah, special talent. Um, I think we all knew that though. Like you knew from following recruiting and, and what a big land that was for Dion uh, to to get him originally and then bring him over. Um, you know, he's a star. I mean, he's he's without a doubt a star. And they've got like a handful of stars on that team. Whether mm-hmm. it's Shador, whether it's Travis Hunter, whether it's Guys, we haven't even seen yet, like an Alton McCaskill, uh, who could could be another one. But there, there's other guys as well, and uh, I, I'm a firm, firm believer in college football and, and just college sports. Like it's great to have great teams. I also think you need a little star power, mm-hmm. and I think Colorado's got that um, in, in a major way right now, and that's going to be a part of why they're able to sustain this. Now, I don't think I'm not going to go crazy, and they're undefeated. Like they they have they have a tough schedule, like you said, Paul. They could slip this week. Yeah, I mean, they could lose to Nebraska in theory, but they've got stars. They've got swagger. They've got belief. And uh, they've got a lot going in their direction right now, and, and he's a, a big reason why. And he's going to be one of the most fun players to watch uh, throughout the rest of this year. As long as the offense and defensive line continue to not only hold up but also progress throughout the year, they got the stars to make it. And I just think they have too much for this week as far as stars to overwhelm a team that doesn't have any that I know of. Yeah. Matt Rule called him one of the most conditioned athletes he's ever seen. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say he's the most conditioned yeah. athlete I've ever I'll seen. I'll ask Matt Rule, who was yeah. the other guy? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Number three, the ACC might be a little bit more interesting. Look, it, the ACC falls into the league that kind of, you know, whether it's Clemson or FSU or whoever, it's just kind of got one team that 
controls it, and sometimes it's that. But um, not ready to kick dirt on Clemson yet. I know everybody is, but look, Dabo even playmakers and not like notwithstanding Clemson's still going to be there because if you watch the way they play defensively up front like offense defense like they're good up front like they've got to find something that's not there but you know uh, they're still Clemson so you still have to worry about them Duke is going to put a you know a wrench in somebody's machine FSU was fantastic against LSU uh, on Sunday night Wake Forest is still going to be um, interesting and then there's the, the teams like Miami you know where are they we'll see you know them at A&M is like who has improved over a tragic year last year uh more is it AM or Miami and AM handled Miami last year? That's how bad uh, Miami was a season ago. Uh, and then you get a game like Louisville and Georgia Tech, that's two teams that are new coaches and in there that's like right down to the wire and looks like they might have something. So the ACC might be a little bit more fun. And I didn't even mention North Carolina, who looks way better on defense right now. If you could yeah. bet, and I know you're an FSU guy and you probably would be more conservative, but right now with Clemson losing to Duke. Do you think there's any – not that no one can beat Florida State, but is it now Florida State against the field? Yes, absolutely, yeah, I think 100%. So. And look, it, Duke beating Clemson is huge because if Florida State can take care of their business and actually beat Clemson for the first time in, what, seven years yeah. or whatever it is, eight years, maybe longer, if they can actually do that, then it ensures they probably don't have to play them again in the ACC title game, and then they can focus on whoever that's going to be Based on week one, I'm going to say North Carolina with Drake May and Gene Chizik going back to old school uh, Gene Chizik defense that they have at North Carolina there. So we'll see, but I'm not counting Duke out of this. I'm not counting Florida State into things yet. That was an impressive game the other night, and it is theirs for the taking if they want it, but they still have to do it. Yeah, you have to go out and do it. And look, a lot of these teams are talking really good about their 1-0. and You know, <laughs> yeah. they're not 8-0, 9-0. and So there's there's a lot of season left to play out. But yeah, I mean, overreaction week one, uh, the ACC looks really stout, but it is very clearly, to me at least, it's Florida State's to lose. I mean, they are the most talented and, and dynamic and, you know, just total package of a team, I think, uh, in the league right now. And uh, Clemson's clearly got some faults. Clemson's still really good, though, guys. Like, I know they've got some deficiencies but they're going to beat most everybody yeah, they play. Tighten up the ship. Um, but, you know, Duke just got them and, uh, and, and you know, did it convincingly. But, yeah, I think it's a, it's a really fun – like the Pac-12 is a fascinating race. The SEC, because Bama's sort of waving. I mean, I know it's like Georgia, but, you know, we, we, we don't know how that's going to take shape over the next few weeks. The Big 12 just looks like it's going to be a muddled mess. Um, and the ACC is, is right there as far as, uh, yeah, fun conference races through week one. Um, this one's definitely got some, some fun ingredients. Yeah. Number two, the Pac-12 is even crazier than I thought. DJU, I know it's San Jose State, but that was a team that looks like they're on the rise a they little bit. They played against USC they played pretty USC. well pretty well that you know DJU is fantastic uh, Wazoo and Wisconsin this week is going to be very telling about where both those programs are but I wouldn't be surprised to see Wazoo do really really well Tanner Mordecai didn't play all that well yeah uh, in his debut. had a couple of picks he had a couple yeah. interceptions yep. yeah but uh he actually you know with of course the the running with Braylon Allen you can kind of like all right well sure. I've thrown a couple of picks let's just give it to this guy and let him let this let this pony run, but he uh, and he did that very well. Obviously, USC and Oregon. This is going to be a really, really interesting league. And look, uh, even though Arizona State's not playing for anything because of their postseason ban, uh, and they barely won the first week, Jaden Rashada showed why he was like you see at times if you watch him, like oh, that's why this guy right. uh, could ask for thirteen million dollars and somebody be like, yeah, they already <laughs> had we know quarterbacks 
before Rashada became the starter, and obviously who knows what's going to happen with him. But, I mean, they are loaded with the position that matters. Yeah, the yeah. Arizona schools still have a lot to work on, yeah. that's fair to say. Um, but, yeah, Rashada's got some star qualities. You understand why he was so talked about and why he's, you know, such a uh, – you know, a pull in, in so many directions to try and land him yeah. uh, with various schools. But, yeah, I mean, the Pac-12, I think, you know, the end of the Pac-12 only adds, like, a whole another pile of ammo, to, you know, or combustibility to this whole thing because, you know, like, yeah, this is the last run, and I think that adds a cool element that's not cool, obviously, for the fans who aren't happy about it, but it does sort of put some extra oomph to it. And they're stacked. I mean, uh, you know, either recruiting well or hitting the transfer portal. It's a league of a lot of really fun quarterbacks with, in turn, you know, some really good teams and some really good coaches as well. So, yeah, it's a, it's a banner start and, you know, big opportunity for Oregon this weekend. Big opportunity, um, you know, for a lot of teams, but it's, it's a fun league. Yeah. At number one, Clemson needs playmakers. And I, I did not think I would ever say that. I just did not. And... You know, I knew that Dabo was against the transfer. Like, he wasn't big on the transfer portal, and he's very old school. And, you know, the NIL thing has been kind of comical when it comes to them. But um, I just didn't realize, like, how much he did not like it. It, it was like he's almost cold turkey on it. You talking about Dabo? Yeah. Oh, I I like I, I, I thought obvious. I just thought that there were a couple, like, you know, oh, I don't want to use the transfer portal. That still means if you lose eight guys, 12 guys, 13 guys, you'll go get four, you know, just because you need it. Yeah. But to not get any but guys who are essentially backups and grad transfers, I didn't realize he was that absolutely Wasn't he committed one of the guys that we talked that might walk away because of how football I just didn't changed? realize he wasn't using it to the amount he oh, wasn't using that's it. that's well documented. I'm yeah. surprised you didn't know. Well, that. I, I just, mean, it's one thing to say you're not going to hit it like Miami or Texas right. or yeah. Oklahoma or something, and it's another thing entirely to have, like, one transfer, like, one actual transfer. That's, like, that's right. sticking to your guns. I can appreciate that, but, like, to the extent it's hurting you, and the thing that was shocking to me is, like, obviously Will Shipley's great. Uh, Kate Klubnick's got a lot of potential and all that. But just the lack of, like, star receivers. I mean, this is the same program that was spitting out DeAndre Hopkins and Sammy Watkins and Hunter Renfro and all T. these Higgins. guys, T. Higgins, and, I mean, go on and on and on the last few years. I mean, that that's a program that could, you know, get in the wide receiver U conversation as far as present day and have an argument to, to at least last a little while. And um, you just didn't see that kind of – star power and explosiveness uh, with Clemson that I feel like you typically see. Like, they're still good, but they're just not as wow as as maybe yeah. they were in years yeah. past. It, look, I, I I believe in the, like, Ferris Bueller, you know, motto of isms kind of gets you in trouble. You know, I don't believe in, you know, like he had that line, I don't believe in Beatles, I just believe in me, which yeah. is the John Lennon, like that whole thing. I think when you do get too kind of into your – you know, dogmas that he has, you can hurt yourself in the long run, whether you're right or not. Look, the thing is, is that you might think it's all wrong, but literally everyone else around you is doing it. And yeah. you, you are putting yourself at a disadvantage because you're like, no, I'm going to do it in my perceived mind the right way. When whatever you think is right is, is changed. You know, Nick Saban adapts. Everybody's adapted. Like you, if you don't adapt, you know, you know, adapt or die, right? Yeah, I think it's it's too early to, to read the last rights by any means on the Clemson yeah. football with Dabo at the helm and all of that. But it is a very interesting situation that because of his own stance, his very public stance, has put them in a situation where, yeah, when they lose now or they lose especially a game like Duke 
and they don't necessarily look like they're just so much immensely more talented than, than a team like that, um, that's when, you know, you start to have a little bit of a concern, and we definitely know there's some concern after, you know, uh, after Monday night. But let's see how they, you know, get their bearings back. But there's, there's at least uh, – you know, a different kind of target on them or a different kind of focus on them than there has been in, in quite a while. All right. Thanks to everybody on the chat. Uh, we appreciate you. Uh, sometimes people jump in who like teams outside of the Big 12 and want to flex. That's great. Yeah, it's fine. We appreciate we're you. We're not Big it, 12 exclusive, buddy. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think people realize that sometimes that's the case. Like somebody yesterday said, it's a Baylor show. We do cover Baylor. We have segments of Baylor. Of course, that's how we started. But I think the helmets behind us pretty much make it very obvious what we do on an everyday basis, and we love it. So, thank you. Thanks to Emery Winter, Jack McKenzie, Garrett Ross, Levi Carraway, uh, and Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke. We're back at it again tomorrow. Paul's Uh, Triple option at 1 o'clock. This show tomorrow at 3. And don't forget tonight at 10.30 on the CW 365 Sports Tonight. I'm David Smoke. Good night. MRI is a small family business right here in Central Texas. We're open to support you while local.